Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. Sweet. Whenever you, whenever you want me here, till. So, so, yeah. Okay. I was gonna say I own you, but that'd be a bad way to start. But we are starting. No, it's so okay. if you heard the background, Amel just said he's good. He's here. To, <laughs> he's here to chill and, and talk and, um, I guess entertain you guys for the next uh, I don't know maybe two hours or so. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, my guest today, Amel Varga, episode two thirty eight, Galen Trombley show. Amel is commercial commercial relationship manager at Glens Falls National Bank and Trust Company here in Plattsburgh. Uh, doesn't work too far away. Um, and a little bit of background on Amel. I don't know where I met you first, but I met you. I liked you. We've seen each other multiple times since. Played in a, uh, at least one or two golf events together. A couple, yeah. Um, he just told me he's just started the office for the first time ever. So now I like him even more than I did before. But Amel, for people that do not know you, um, welcome to the show and give us a Thank little background. You. Oh, where to begin, right? Uh, transplant to New York out of Vermont. I uh, grew up in Vermont, Montpelier, which is currently underwater due to all the flooding. All flooding? Yeah, it's flooding bad over there right now. Um, oh, keep going. We'll talk about the flooding. I yeah. saw some yesterday. It was pretty wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, my mom just sent me a photo of our, the high school I went to. And it's like whoosh, flooded over. Really? It's like halfway up the doors of the Capitol Theater on State Street. Yeah, it's wild, man. Uh, State Street is where the Capitol building is too? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, nice. I know the road. I've been down it. Yeah. 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 So the Winooski runs all the way through there. And that thing just is raging. Uh, yeah, It's flooded before, obviously. But this is, this is bad. This is pretty bad. And it's like raining the rest of the week too, right? Yeah. So she we, was saying it just cleared up. Over there? Yeah, it's just finally clearing up. But I think we got what, today and tomorrow, and then it's back to rain. Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but yeah, so originally from Bosnia, right? Family came to the States in 96. I was like nine and a half. Okay. Right, straight to Montpelier. Uh, grew up there, you know, high school, everything. Ended up going to uh, Castleton State College at the time, which is now part of the Vermont University family. Went there for a couple of years. That's where I picked up rugby. Loved it. Um, vacated. Left. Okay. Uh, partially willingly, partially unwillingly. It was a different lifestyle back then. Okay. Uh, different <laughs> priorities. Um, anyway, uh, started working. Blockbuster, actually, of all places. Yep, started Rest working in peace, but yes, that's... Yeah. It's, uh, you know, some good memories. It was, it was a wild place to work at. It was a lot of fun. Okay. <laughs> Got sick of working nights and weekends and looked into banking actually had applied for a, a part-time teller position with Citizens Bank out in what is the Berlin Mall, right? Yep. And uh, got the part-time gig. But I had spent like an hour and a half on this application online. And at the end, when I submitted it, it timed out. So I didn't even know if it went through. <laughs> so luckily got a call. So started <laughs> off there. Um, worked through there. Spent about a year there. It was the first month and a half was insane because I was working part-time there. I was working full-time at Blockbuster still. So it was just bank in the morning, blockbuster at night. And then it was like every single day. So got into full-time teller shortly after I started. So I was doing 80 hours a week, 
two full-time jobs. It was insane. And trying to like hang out and have a social life. I was 21, 22 at the time. So, um, so let's go, or any more you want to add to that? Oh, no, it's the just, bank? it's the background of the, of how I ended up here in terms of banking, but oh. well, I want it, I want, my bad. It's, getting, it's getting wild already. We are <laughs> already three minutes. In hands are flailing. <laughs> I talk with my hands a lot. <laughs> no. you'll, you'll notice that I'm very fidgety. It's a little Italian in you maybe. Ah, it's, you know, the maybe. whole, the whole region. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> speak, speaking of that region, you so you said Bosnia and Herzegovina. Yeah. So it's Bosnia and Herzegovina is the, the full name of the country. Um, now is Bosnia, and again, I don't know my timeline, but is Bosnia part of like like um, was like the Serbian nation, like in that area, right? So yeah, so former Yugoslavia, right? Yugoslavia, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So when Yugoslavia split up, everybody kind of went back to their own thing that they were doing prior. So yeah, so with Serbia, Croatia, you know, Montenegro, um, Bosnia, and a couple other countries. Um, so so when, so when you guys came over, you said you were nine. Yeah. So how how was that transitioning like? I mean, first off, I always say, like, did you speak English and or like, did you, was the transition easy? And then how come, what led you guys to the U.S.? So we actually, we came over as part of a refugee program okay. so from the, the Balkan Wars that were going on, right? So we had lived, like I said, born Bosnia, lived there till I was like, pretty much till the war started. We got across the border into Croatia and lived with my dad's family for a little bit, got our own place. What year was this, roughly? 92. Okay. Yeah, so we would have came over because my sister had already been born. And how old are you now? I am 36. Okay. Going on 70. It just puts context for me a little bit. Yeah, 36 now. So we came over. None of us spoke any English. Like we had, where we lived, it was like a little villagey town, right? Mm -hmm. Like there was houses and whatnot. It wasn't like a straw huts and whatnot, but it wasn't a bustling community, right? Uh, the school was in the next town over, so we would walk back and forth to school every day. And everybody always asked me about my calves. How'd you get your calves? <laughs> Walking back in school, <laughs> back and uphill both ways, right? <laughs> <laughs> always, always through the snow. I was gonna say three feet of snow. Yeah, of course, right? So Sarajevo is that part of? Yes, that's the capital, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. So I'm. If you look up where it says uh, that Slavonski Road, so up. Oh. Up up to the right a little bit. We're right on a border town. I don't even think the town will actually show up on the map anymore. I think it's been renamed. Oh, okay. The northern border. Oh, right there. So Shamats. The SA right there. No, nope, go back. I was going to say I'm all over the place here. Up, up, just up a little bit. Right here? Yep. So that's where you grew up? That's where I was born, yep. Wow, okay. Yep, lived there till 92. Went right across the border. Um, yeah, 92 to Croatia. Ended up living there for a little bit. Um, we came over, uh, my aunt, uncle, uh, both of them came over as well. So all the adult males in our family were all in the soldiers, right? They all yep. got, it wasn't really, uh, there wasn't really much of a draft. It was just like, you're going, you're going, right? So uh, when we left, my dad was in already uh, in the army there. My uncle, uh, both, actually both my uncles, a bunch of cousins. So we went over. We lived there. It was it was different. It was still a bit of a culture shock because a, a lot of the issues that were there were uh, religion related. Okay. Right. My family is uh, mixed religion, okay. so we've Catholic, Orthodox, and Muslim. Okay. So depending on where you were and who you were talking to, you had to be somewhat careful what you were saying and how you're saying it, right? But that's kind of how it goes with those things. But anyway, 
<laughs> so we ended up living there. I went to school and, like I said, pretty much halfway through third grade. Um, and it was kind of like a, it wasn't like a lottery program, but you had to you had to apply. Like you had to go through a full application. You know, everybody had to go get physicals and all this stuff done, all medical, you know, related, whatever you'd call it. But we all went through that, and then uh, you just sit there and wait. It could take three months. It could take three years for them to be like, you're going. And how old were you at the time and this when this happened? So when we started, I was probably like eight. So that's why. So they're already kind of like grooming you for a military at eight. Oh no no no! Sorry, this was just this was our application process to come to the states. Oh, to this. Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. My I bad. heard military before, so I was trying to. I'm like, you feel like you were young for that, but that's. Yeah. No no no. Okay. Not, okay. not military. <laughs> no, now I got you. All right. Yeah. Um, though they had, I mean, given how everything was, they had soldiers in in there that were like you know 15, 16 years old. And some even younger. It's just you know. So you to gotta come, do what you got to do. So coming to the U.S. was mostly like a version of a lottery. You said it, not not like a lottery, but it was an application process. Like okay. you would apply and you would wait. And the way you could come over, <clears throat> once you know, once everything's cleared, you would have to get a sponsor from the United States to take you in. So we got myself, my dad, both of my grandparents, and my siblings. So I got a younger brother and sister. Okay. There's seven of us, right? Trying to go, who's going to take a family of seven that yeah. doesn't speak the local language, right? And put them up. So we locked out. Actually, my mom's twin sister uh, ended up coming over before us. And they got settled through. They got set up with a really nice family in Montpelier. They took them in. They helped them find their own place, jobs, yada, yada. Wow. They took us in. We took the next set of family in. Yeah. So it's a progress, but. So kind, kind of like paying it forward? Pretty much, yeah. We're just trying to get everybody over. Yeah. So where we were, we were lucky enough to where we kind of escaped in time. We got across the border in time because uh, there was a lot of like concentration type, concentration camp type Ooh, okay. setups there. So my younger cousins, uh, they were they were set up in one of those for a while, still in Bosnia, trying to get out. And then they they were finally able to get out too, but. It's tricky, man. It's tricky. It's hard to remember a lot of it, right? Because we were so young. But you know, it's wild to think about, like, like number one, like we've I've never experienced that, you know. And I think pe- people always, you know, when you say like, oh, the U.S. is like, I consider the U.S. the greatest country in the world, but like when you when you say that, but people are like, oh, well, you know, and they, it always kind of annoys me when people are like, well, what makes it so great? Like, how come we're better than? And like, it's almost like a, it's kind of like an ignorant statement. I'm like. Like, well, they're happier here or they have better life expectancy here. I'm like, I'm like, there's a reason there's so many people trying to come to America. And I said, honestly, I can't put it into context because I was lucky to be born here. Mm-hmm. Like, if you put it like other people, when you start looking at like what you just said, I mean, that is less than 25 years ago. You right. know what I mean? Like, that's not a lot, quarter of a century. That's not a lot. I mean, again, it's both of our lifetimes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, then you start looking at like stuff with like Ukraine and things like that. It's like, you know, we just don't see that happening. And luckily for us, like any military operations have been overseas. They've never been, for the most part, they've never really been in, right. you know, the, the country, at least for hundreds of years. But um, I just, you know, you kind of just see like when you said like that was a reality for you, which in my mind seems unfathomable. But like there's so many people in the world that are just dealing with stuff that we can't comprehend. Right. So, um, So when you guys like, 
when all that stuff's going on, obviously as a kid, like how aware are you of stuff going on? Like again, I know I'm telling you to go back in the memory bank here, but mm-hmm. like, what was your awareness or memories of, um, like as a you know seven, eight, nine year old kid experiencing this? Was it like I fully understand it, or were you kind of like get like I don't know? I just mom and dad say you can't go do this, but it, you don't really. Yeah, that's really a good way to put it. It was just you know you're told what you need to be told to avoid areas and avoid mm-hmm. doing stupid crap as a kid, right? Yeah. You end up going and doing it anyway. But, you, you know, you see it. There'd be soldiers coming through the town, setting up at the bases, staying for a while, moving on, so on and so forth. But usually very friendly. Like, we would all, like, where I where we lived, there was like, there's probably like 15 kids, right? Various ages from probably 16 down to like three or four. <clears throat> like I said, my sister was really young too. She was born in 92. But we were all like, we all just hung out. We all played together. Didn't matter how old you were, whatever. So when the soldiers would come through, we would always go on, like, chat with them. And they're always super nice. They'd be giving us, like, all sorts of food. They had MREs and whatnot way back then. Now, this was, at the time, um, like, was this, like, the Bosnian army? Or was this, like, neighboring armies that came in? So this was the Croatian army moving through. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yep. But, it, I mean, it was few and far between. There was a couple of different places that they would stay when they came through town. And, uh, like I said, they are usually really friendly. But they would stay for a few days and move on. Um, so when you when you start to like pick a place to go, like is America like the North Star for everybody, or could you have said like, ah, we could have moved to like London or England or France or Australia so, yeah. or like I don't know. Yeah. So that's, my recollection is we we could have gone. Basically, had we had somebody there that would take us in, we could have gone through the program. So. I have friends who went to Germany, friends who went to the UK, right? But most of us came came straight here. So, like, U.S. was, was definitely the first pick for most people? I would say. Yeah, unless you had family somewhere, right? Yeah. So, like, but, yeah, I mean, we didn't – we had family around, but everybody's kind of all mixed up in the same stuff, so. So do you have, like, family now for you? Do you have family still in Bosnia, or are they all over the world now because of like, oh, migrating? Kind of all over. I'd say a lot of my – all my immediate family is centralized here. Right. Okay. In New England, mostly. That's uh, like mom, dad, sister, brother. Yeah, mom, dad, sister, brother, cousins, uncles, aunts. You know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. My grandparents both are still on my mom's side. Both grandparents are still alive. My dad's parents passed away way back pre-war. Um, but yeah, so we do still have family there. We've had family members that have moved back now because everybody's, you know, unless peaceful. your house got leveled, right? It's kind of still there. But it's pretty peaceful now. It's yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like. Um, I guess posturing would be the best word. Yep. But in terms of Bosnia, there isn't really too much conflict anymore. You know, people are getting back along and kind of doing their thing. So when you move over, um, what's it like when you first move over as like a nine-year-old? Like totally different area. Don't speak the language. I'm sure at that point, like everybody's kind of scrambling to just get some form of normalcy back. I'm sure parents are like trying to find jobs and you guys are trying to find friends. And, (laughs) you know, so what was that? What was that transition like? So, it, again, great question. Um, we're lucky enough. Our, like I said, my aunt, my aunt had moved before us, my aunt and uncle. They have two, two sons who are a year and two years younger than me. So we had already all been getting along, playing, hanging out. So we had that, you know, that little section of people, plus the friends they had already made because they had been here, I don't know, probably six months before we got here. Mm-hmm. So they would already, you know, learned a decent amount of language or a, lot, a decent amount of English. Um, and Montpelier actually had a, a wonderful ESL program. There was, there was, um, there's an instructor there 
who taught all of us, and he was a he was a Bosnian guy, mm-hmm. but he had he had moved to the states, I think, a few years before, but he had learned English through school, like as a younger person, and he just put us all through it. So I started school two weeks after we moved here, like no clue what to, I knew how to say thank you, yeah, and I knew how to say I love you because we like we watched TV obviously we had TV but most of the time it was translated so we watched like there's seven year old me I watched Jaws. I remember being terrified of Jaws. <laughs> Wouldn't even get in the bathtub, right? It's like, nope, nope. You've never seen anything yeah, yeah. like that before. Uh, I watched the movie It, which yep. still terrified of clowns. And uh, we watched MASH, and we watched Family Matters. Wow. So I loved, Some classics I loved Urkel, man. I uh, loved them. So we, st- we actually we picked up a lot of language fast between school, you know, and then just being here watching TV. You can't find anything Bosnian on TV, right? So you're like... I guess I'll figure it out as I watch it. Um, I was no, that so I was, saying, I was actually when you you mentioned Jaws, I think I saw something recently that when they made Jaws, I think the scene with the shark mm-hmm. is towards the end, and it was so expensive to make and replicate because they had to like build it, and I think they got like one take really mm-hmm. to do everything. That and like Steven Spielberg, right, to the movie. So yeah. I think what happened was he went from like, okay, this is expensive. How do I make it work? And he said, instead of actually showing the shark, we're just going to keep showing and building the anticipation of the shark. Yeah. But it's cheap. We don't have to actually show him. So it saves us money. But it builds up the frightening or the fright, you know, the scare, whatever, the scare factor. Yeah. So at the end, when it pops out, it's like, ah, like, you know, kind of freaks you out. But it was, it was more done from like a budgetary standpoint, how they remodeled the whole right. movie. So I, I heard that recently, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's kind of cool, like the way they reframed everything, because he like definitely wanted to keep the shark. Yeah, yeah, no, they, I think they did a fabulous job with the movie. Um, it's funny actually, we just, <laughs> just started watching it last night again, so I got about. So you haven't been in a, a, a tub or a pool since, right? No, no, I, I shower in the rain. That's about it. That's it. That's, yeah. you know, when, when it rains, it pours. But luckily nowadays, you got abundance. the abundance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is funny that you mentioned that because I remember seeing that somewhere too, and they had it, it was fully mechanical. Like there, there was no real CGI. It was yeah, done in '75, right? So it's like it's the suspense really is there. It's like you're seeing everything, and I just remember now the scene with the. It's like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes into the movie, right? They're trying to shut the tr- shut the beach down. And they're all sitting there, mm-hmm. and the, the chief of police is sitting there. And you see all the kids running, and there's the one kid on the yellow floaty. Yeah, and I, yep. I was mentioning this to uh, to my partner when we were watching it last night. And I'm like, that first opening scene where, where the shark attacks the woman that's out midnight yeah. swimming, it's like she's getting thrashed around, right? But there's like there's no blood. There's no real violence. Like it's just suspenseful. Yeah. And, and this scene comes on, and, and it was just brutal. Like the exact opposite. You see this thing like roll over and catch this kid on the raft, and it's just like a geyser of red. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> and you see the flippers come out, like the, the fins. Oh, it's just, it was nuts. The the uh, the movie, so my kids like The Wizard of Oz, like the old school Wizard of oh, Oz. Oh, yeah, okay. Which, you know, obviously it's been around forever. And I, mm-hmm. there was two things, I watched it the other day, and it's, Wizard of Oz is a movie I've seen all the way through, and but it's also a movie that I always catch the beginning, and I never really catch, like, the remaining of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, when they actually get to Oz and all the ending and the monkeys and all that stuff, like, right. I never... Um, it never really pops out to me. I always, I kind of remember the beginning part where it, like, turns to, you know, to color, and she goes to Yellow Brick Road. Mm-hmm. So, two things on it. Number one, I was watching the Twister scene. Now, this okay. movie was made back in the 30s. Yeah. And I'm sitting there watching this thing, and I was I was telling uh, my wife, I was like, what? How did they make 
the twister. Like there's no CGI. I mean, like they it looks legit, even yeah. from something that's almost hundred years old now. I'm watching this thing, I'm like, it still looks like visually it looks pretty good. I mean, obviously there's a couple parts in the, I'm like, that's definitely a background or whatever. Right. But yeah. I was watching this thing and what they did was they took a chicken wire and they wrapped it up in like a sphere or like a kind of like a vortex kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And they put a blanket on it. There's some type of blanket or cloth oh, no and they spun it. And so <laughs> they're actually seeing it, but they had it like tied to the ground. So they're spinning it. So it looked very violent, but they held <laughs> it up and they did some kind of camera projection where they, they actually showed like, it's weird that they did this back then behind the scenes filming of the filming. So they okay. actually showed like Dorothy like running up on a stage filming this way and they had it like backlit a certain way. So this yeah. was all camera tricks they did back. And right. obviously anybody in film would be like, yeah, that's obviously very easy. <laughs> but I was watching like that's odd um, to put in perspective. And then the other line that I caught was something about you could be in like another Abe if you only had a brain. I think it's part of you only had a brain song, like Abe Lincoln. Yeah. And I was sitting there calculate like in my head, I was like, well, Abe Lincoln like was basically president of like, the eighteen sixties or something. This movie was a thirty, so it's about a seventy year gap. So I'm like, right. okay, uh, seventy years ago. I'm like, this is like saying Eisenhower or JFK would have been in context for us what Abe was to them. Exactly. Which is funny when you because we think like Abe Lincoln is so far back. Right. And then like and I would say like Kennedy and stuff's far back. But I'm like, mm-hmm. my parents were alive when Kennedy was around. So like like Judy Garland's parents were probably around when Lincoln was around, which is just wild to put it in that context. But yeah. we're still watching that movie, so you're really not that far removed from true, like someone from 1860. You know, what three, four generations? So, but it's just, just about, I, yeah. it, like a, we, I don't know why my brain went that direction when I was watching this movie, <laughs> but I was like, oh, I've never actually heard that line and put it into context. So, um, so okay, you, sorry, total aside, but you came, <laughs> no, no, so you good. got back to Montpelier, started learning everything. Um, how quick? So I'm always curious because I, I am terrible at second languages how long did it take you to learn english so it's a tough question tough but easy question to answer i'd say within four months like i was solid right like i was good uh there's still some things you know some things will trip you up like depending on so our alphabets are a little bit different right okay like and even we to this very, day still trips you, trips you up or when you were oh learning? yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah so i used to have a, a much heavier accent okay when we first came over but i spent a lot of time as a young adult kind of working She's through it and get Vermont, making so. it better. I, you know, I get that a lot. I get that. Are you from Canada? you from Canada. No, I'm from Vermont. What state is that in? Oh, you know, it's it's in New York. Yeah, it's way up there. Yeah, yeah. Got some sap. Got some sap where I'm from. Mm. Um, so, but like, yeah, so obviously, like even as a young child, you came over obviously with a developed accent. Yeah, you, you pick it up and then you kind of filter it out as you yeah. go, right? So most of my, myself, my siblings, my cousins, we all kind of, you lose it over time, right? What was your uh, native tongue? Was it Bosnian? Bosnian. That's yeah. okay. I, I I thought it was, but yeah. So you it's funny. You, you look it up, and like almost literally all of the the Balkan languages are pretty much the same. Um, can you still speak Bosnian? I can. Not. I mean, I can speak it conversationally, right? Well okay. enough to to get along. Okay. But where I came over, like we transitioned to English, and we spoke English, right? Because we wanted to learn. So we speak, like, my grandparents still don't speak English, so we still speak Bosnian at home, right, when I go to visit, but I primarily will speak to my parents still in English. They'll speak to me in Bosnian, so it's always, it was always, my friends loved it every time they come over to the house, because they'd get a half a conversation. So when you still go back to see your grandparents, you still can speak with them? Yeah. Fine? So, like, I just, I'm putting a polo, how do you pronounce that? Zdravo. Zdravo? Zdravo. Zdravo? Yeah. So you do pronounce the Z? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's 100% phonetic. 
Wow. Yeah. So there's no silent letters. There's no crazy. Now the 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 um the symbols of Bosnian are is the same or no? Mm-hmm. You know, like Russian has like a totally different looking alphabet. Oh, so Cyrillic. Yeah. So uh yeah. So this is a Latin alphabet. So it's all the same letters. Same as English, yeah. Okay. There's variations of letters. We have letters that have um, accents on them. Okay. Kind of like Spanish. And French and Spanish, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, Cyrillic is all Eastern European, which I used to know how to read. Used to. Eastern what? European? Yeah, it's it's like the the further east. So if you, um, so like like V, is that still V in Bosnian? Yeah. Okay, so everything kind of, you can, there is a A, level of A lot of it is very similar. Okay. Again, I took French for like eight years. Mm-hmm. I can get around in Montreal. I, when I say get around Montreal, like I can get around reading signs. I can't speak it. Mm. Like I can't comprehend it. I have a hard time. Like I've just, I was always poor at like hearing and speaking, but I could, I could read it. Yeah. So that's fair. I mean, languages, you, you, as you, as a child, you'll pick up a lot faster. Yeah. It's a lot easier, especially when you're immersed in the language. Uh, yeah. Like you can pick it up quick, quick, quick. Um, but it's harder as an adult because now your brain's got all the shortcuts, right? So yeah. then you're trying to figure it out. I heard uh, someone talk about once, you know, the eighty twenty rule principle, mm. like twenty percent of your twenty percent of your inputs uh, or eighty percent of your outputs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those things. So um, this, I was learning, it and someone said you can do the same for English. Basically, you can learn twenty percent of the words, and they make up eighty percent of vocabulary. Pretty much. So if you say, like, let's just say ballpark, there's 100,000 words in the English alphabet. If you learn 20,000 of them, you can pretty much speak it. Yeah, that's There's fair. so many, like, really, like, you know, small variations that you think, like, you, like, you wouldn't need to know the name of this. And you wouldn't need to know the name of just, like, these really nuanced things. Right. But you'd be like, table, computer, TV, like, common things. Right. So I just thought that was kind of fun. Like, um, when you hear that, like... That actually makes more sense when you break it down like that. Like learn your verbs, learn your adverbs, learn you know your pronouns right. and stuff like that. But um, again, I'm poor at language. But so it took you about four months, you said. Four months to get it down pretty good. But we're talking. I'm in school, you know, every day. Yeah, this every day. Yeah. I have, I'm also getting lessons, right? So I'm learning the words and I'm hearing the language spoken to me all the time, and you start to pick things up. Like I'll associate what I've learned in class with now. Like I know how to say the number four, right? Mm-hmm. And here we are doing math later. I'm like, okay, four. Got it. I, four months still seems quick to me, like in my brain, which is cool. But I think, um, like, I think when I was learning a language like French, mm-hmm. it was trying to memorize it versus understand it. So right. I'd be like, like, uh, you know, whatever the the translation was, like at school was a école. Like, so you'd be like, okay, école, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but école and school. But I would be like, école is school. Like, I would have to think that. I couldn't just like see it right you know what i mean i never just had that like almost like i want to say muscle memory but just kind of uh you know subconsciously knowing it i'd I'd have to consciously be like that equals this and i just that's not a good way to speak a language (laughs) like your brain's thinking too hard or i'm like ah, i just yeah but yeah you don't have those shortcuts right correct yeah that's what i'm saying um so let's jump up to uh blockbuster Blockbuster. So the only reason I'm just bringing this up because as a kid, I just remember going like you you rented like the video or you rented the game. Oh yeah. And you look at stuff like we're in a like we're in a time period in like I'm fascinated because you have a couple things here I'm going to touch on. This mm-hmm. be, this will be fun. Um, and I think you're a pretty inquisitive person. So like I appreciate that. when when you when you think like we're both in our early 30s, mid 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, like think about. When we were young, 
to now, how much has evolved? Like you could say like our parents' age and you could say grandparents' age, like they've still seen everything. If they're still alive. They've seen the growth. Right. But I also feel like from us having certain things at a young age and then going through like our formative years in a transitional period, right. like right now things are changing. We're adults. Like it doesn't, things change, but it's not as impactful to us, I think, as it was when we were, you know, teenagers or young right. children. So when you think of like the youngest age, like late 80s, early 90s till now, like what happened in the 90s and 2000s, 2010s, and now 2020s, like the world has gone exponentially faster and grow quicker. And like right. some of the things I'm like, oh my God, did we have this? I'm like, actually, when I started my working career in the same industry, we didn't even come close to having this. And that was, you know, 13 years ago. So like how much is already gapped there? So when I think right. of Blockbuster, and now you think to like Netflix or you think to like anything that you can get at the touch of a button. Like I remember going and getting a video game from Blockbuster mm -hmm. and that you had like basically for one night and you had to somehow get it back the next day. Right. So you had to like drive it back to the store and like put it in the Dropbox or drop it off. But then you're like, it's a video game. Like how can I beat the game or play the game in one exactly. day? So then it's like, I, I don't know, like speak, speak more to uh, Blockbuster. Cause I, I just, cause it's, is there still a Blockbuster store? I feel like there's still like there's one or two. There's still one left. They actually, uh, what was it? I think Netflix actually <laughs> tried to do a, I think I think it was Netflix. They tried to do a Blockbuster show, like about working at Blockbuster. And, and oddly enough, it didn't work out. I was gonna. Right, I was like, right. that, I almost feel like failed. that's yeah. like a low blow. <laughs> yeah. I know there was one in Alaska. I don't know if it's still there. And I want to say the the last one that's left is in like Ohio somewhere. It's privately, so it's privately owned, right? It's got to be. I was gonna say, but it's all nostalgia thing. nowadays, right? Like you look at everything that's that's happening in the world, everything's kind of like starting to target our our generation, right? Like our age group, like that early to mid to late thirties, right? The people that came through that. And it's yeah, right, Oregon. Yeah. Okay, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Bet that's wild. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. So I I stream everything. I hate commercials. I will pay extra to not have commercials. So yeah. I. Very rarely do I see uh, commercials. And I was watching TV the other day. We are watching the news. And this commercial comes on. It was for one of like the... Hey, I want to say it was like a, one of the food deliveries. You know, like they have the... Um, like Uber Eats or something? Not even Uber Eats. But it was like the, the ones that they'll like deliver the box to you to your house. Oh, like, oh, yeah. Uh, for food, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Like they'll bring you like, here's uh, five days of your planned meals. Yeah, like go. Blue Apron or something like yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And I'm watching and I'm like... It's, the entire commercial, the whole, all the actors are, it's the cast of American Pie. <laughs> I'm like, who is this targeting? Like, Stifler's I, at the I door. I saw that, yeah. You know, Jim's J opening it. Yes. Exactly. And you're like, what? Jason, ba or Jason Bateman? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, not Jason Bateman. No, no, no. Um, Jason, you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah, Jim. He's always going to okay. be Jim. Yeah, right? Um, but yeah, I, I do know who you're talking about. But yeah, no, it just struck me. I was like, wow, like, who is this targeting now? And that's, Again, like you say, that that whole progression, like looking back at Blockbuster and me, I'm working at Blockbuster like as Netflix is really like kind of picking up pace. Yeah. And we're having a conversation. So can you see the in. decline at that point? It it had started declining already. Okay. But yeah. it was noticeable. Like were you guys like, eh, I feel it like was, we're in a dying industry. But it was one of those things like Netflix at the time, they would mail you a DVD. Yes. Right? I remember that earlier. So on. you can rent it for a week, mm -hmm. but it takes two or three days to get to you. Mm -hmm. It takes two days to get back. So you get it, you got to bring it back. Yep. And Blockbuster's thing was always come in, pick it out. We'll rent you, rent it for a week, mm -hmm. bring it back. If it's a week late, it's a dollar charge, right? So it's like, it's that, that immediate satisfaction, yeah. right? That everybody goes after like, cool, I can go pick up. 
And we'll, so when we, when I worked here. So this we, is actually, I'm going to go back to like an interior of a blockbuster. Yeah, that was actually pretty spot on. Oh, was it? It looks pretty <laughs> Yeah, with, with a big wrap around. So that was always the new releases wrapped around the store. And then you had all the like genres going down the aisles and then video games off on the side. Oh, I guess it's the same one. They just keep hitting this one. Sorry. keep yeah. Keep no, no, going. no. You're good. This, 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 that's the one that's left, right? In Oregon. And that's spot on how it was. Okay. I remember the colors because there used to be one um, on Smithfield, right? Like, I think it's where Dent, Gentle Touch Dentistry is. Okay. It was right in that corner. That looks about the right That was the, That was it, the Blockbuster yeah. for yeah. years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it was wild working there, man. We would get... So, I, movies would come out, right? Like, big Blockbuster movies would go on, on DVD or when Blu-ray, like, just started kind of kicking mm-hmm. in, too. And I remember specifically uh, the first Iron Man came out. And it was, like, one of the first like big marvel movies right mm-hmm. like and it hit and we got like 350 copies of it oh, and wow. we would get it and we would close the store on a weekday and it was i can't remember it was like fr- i think friday nights we would or fridays we would release the new movies so thursday we'd shut shop close down at like 10 o'clock right shut it down reorganized the entire wall to make room for it so we're taking like we'd get a like a cut sheet right like take down like 47 copies of the incredible hulk and take down whatever else was coming out like 20 copies of this 15 of that so all that stuff would go for sale and they had like the they had like 9.99 and 14.99 bins but it'd be like you could get a 9.99 movie or you get five for 20 so people are just coming in so they were actually buying movies at this point Oh, we're selling. Yeah, these these are sales. Yeah. So once once the you know the new release kind of hit its shelf life, we just sell them all off. But it was uh, as an employee, you get early release to everything. Mm -hmm. So we'd get everything like sometimes, most of the time, was like a week or two in advance. Sometimes be like a month out. And like if a video game was coming, but you couldn't put on the shelf. But you guys had in the back. We would test everything out, watch them, so we could get recommendations and all that. That's cool. And it was a sweet gig, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, especially I was, as a twenty-year-old, like yeah, like I was a movie, kind of a movie geek yeah, back yeah. then, right? And I was a huge, huge gamer, right? Like I was like Halo, Halo Two, and Modern Warfare. It's like two. Xbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was started PlayStation. All my buddies went Xbox. I went Xbox, and then they've all shifted, and I'm still strictly Xbox. Xbox, like, yeah. Yep, I've I've finally dabbled in Steam a little bit, and I see where I've been missing. Dabbled yeah. in which one? Steam. So PC gaming, okay. But Steam's the platform you can just. Download. Is that like um, like Fortnite and all those things? Is it Fortnite? Mm-mm. So Fortnite is so Steam is a. It's basically it's an online platform that you can purchase games from, right? Or rent or whatever. It's called Steam. Steam, yeah, S T A M. Yeah. So I just finally started doing this. Actually, I started doing this when I was uh, when so, I was deployed. So is this like the Netflix of video games? In a sense, or no? It's it's way better. This is like a... But same concept, so like you can go and pick like all the cart what you want to play. So it's primarily purchasing, right? So it's an online store. Oh, so like an Amazon for video games. Kind of, yeah. Okay. I haven't dabbled enough in it to give like a good explanation of it, but okay. pretty much so. I picked up, so I don't know how much gaming you do. None. None. Okay. So I mean, a, when, I, when you said gaming, I'm like... N64, Xbox, like... Yeah. I stopped yeah. playing, like, video games probably 2009, 10. Okay. So, basically, Fair. like, when I got into college, I kind of stopped playing just because mm-hmm. of, yeah, life, so... Yeah. I was very devoted to 
like I said, those two games. But Steam, you basically you go on, they release pretty much anything cross-platform, right? Anything okay. you can play on PC. Okay. So there's games that you can get that are just PlayStation uh, only, right? Or exclusive, excuse me, or Xbox exclusive, right? So Halo, you can't play on PlayStation. A lot of the that's still that's still Xbox exclusive. Yep. Okay. Yeah. God of War, you can't play on Xbox, but you go on Steam. If you can play it on PC, you can find it on there. So, Sorry, uh, no, you're good. Um, it's all digital copies, okay. and they have sales up the wazoo. Like I picked up the Bioshock trilogy, which I love the storyline. Okay. The trilogy, all three games, and generally when they come out, they're the the base game is sixty bucks. Okay. Right. Dollar ninety nine for all three games. And I was like, this is awesome. This is like is it the actual 300 game? hours for me of nostalgia. Yeah, it's all three full games. It for looked two the bucks. same too? Remastered. Wow, okay. Yeah. Wow. From So the first Bioshock came out on the original Xbox. I, oh, no, excuse me. It came out on, it was one of the earlier 360 games. So, and again, I, I've never heard of this site before. So like, and actually, you know what's funny is like the one that actually jumps out to me. I'm mm-hmm. such such a dad but like the star wars I, I don't like star wars but the legos my if son you, loves legos so like in my head i'm like that would be a fun game to play with them they did a wonderful job on those games actually i've played quite a few of them and the they are ones? yep as a child absolutely gonna love it as an adult you're like okay a lot of these like are a little bit challenging you really gotta put some thought into it and there's a lot of replay value on those because as you progress through the games you unlock new characters and those characters have abilities that will allow you to unlock further parts of the game. This is so wild. So if I, so my son loves Spider-Man. So if mm-hmm. I go through and I'm like Spider-Man. So I guess my first one, do you need to have, when you say a PC, like this is like, like you can't use a laptop. You oh, I, I do this on my laptop. So you use it like this or do you have a mouse? Uh, I use a mouse. Yeah, I'll, I'll use, I have just like a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard. Wow. So I'd use, so obviously I'd use the built-in and... keyboard, yep, yeah, and a mouse and just headset. So what's... Like Lego Marvel. Like, this is perfect. Like, I mean, I'm, oh, this is so wild. So, like, Played this it, owned it. It's awesome. Worth, this one? Worth playing, yeah. It's all open world. Once you beat the game, you can just run around the world, pick any characters you want, have a blast. Like, and Are all you the, still trying to, like, beat levels? You can access any level of the game that you've played through. Or you can just, like, fly around the city and, like, help people. Like, there's literally parts with Iron Man where you can, like, fly up on a tree and bring somebody's cat down. Like, just for <laughs> it's fun. It's wild, yeah. Is there... Is there so, like, I didn't play a lot of, like, first-person games, mm-hmm. like, where you had to accomplish anything. I think the only ones I really did was, like, James Bond back in the day. Mm. Um, Goldeneye. Goldeneye, and then I had The World's Not Enough, yeah, um, okay. which was, like, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And most people most people sleep on that one because mm-hmm. Goldeneye was iconic. Oh, yeah, um, Goldeneye's still the best. But I, the thing is with Goldeneye, I never owned Goldeneye. Okay. Every one of my friends had Goldeneye. Yeah. So Goldeneye, I never played levels. Goldeneye was like, listen, we're getting four people. Because you only play four exactly. back then, and we were all getting like the golden, like the golden gun, and doing like one shot kill, like exactly. And we would play. I still remember to this day that the two best levels we did the temple. I think it was the temple, the temple with the golden gun. Ooh, you got a better memory of it than I do. So it was like it was just like I think it was a temple. It was already going through like an Egyptian yep. temple, but you had a gun, like the golden gun. So it was like one shot, you're done. Then the other one was we went through this like lab or something and we it was called proximity mines. I remember the lab. And you yeah. shoot them on the so you didn't see where they were so like you almost yeah. had to like lay out all these things and you had to like really move around them because if you got too close they just blew up. <laughs> uh, but it was like strategic because you had to like try to find spots and you had to, and then you almost had to like remember where you drop stuff. Yeah. Because you had to like get a pathway in and a pathway out. It was it was pretty strategic. But um, 
so and then um and then for N64 also was uh, Zelda. Zelda. So yep. uh, Ocarina Ocarina of Time or was it whatever the original one was yeah. and that was a cool game. And you know, so is there like objectives to the game? Like are they like hey, you got to try to get to the end or save someone or Oh, absolutely. Okay. So there is yeah. like there is like some type of scavenger yep. hunt to get through the world or whatever. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. Um I have to look into this. I've never heard of this before. This is so this is so cool. It's fun. And they're most of them are cross uh excuse me, cross platform. So you play them on Xbox, PlayStation. Like Mario? I think half of them they even got on Wii still. Oh Mario, it doesn't look like they have it. I say I typed the wrong thing. Mm. Like I'm an in, I was like such a Nintendo kid. Oh no, you're good. Um yeah, try Super Mario. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah, and they might not. I don't. I don't know what their access is like. Well, I almost think like Mario is so exclusive to Nintendo that it might somehow. Wow. Okay. Super Monkey. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> pretty pretty I, close. I mean, you can. This is pretty neat, see. though. It's not all encompassing, right? It's never going to be, but it depends what you know. What licenses? I know, like it's funny, them. but like you could do like. Oh man! Wow, WGT. I, I, that's cool. Okay. I bet you they got Tiger Woods right on there. Tiger Woods PGA. Wow. Spent a lot of time playing that. Way back in the day. Signature Before you could see the laces. <laughs> 2K23. That's yeah. wild. Wow. Yeah, see, like, I mean, this is all new. I mean, I haven't gotten into it. I feel like at some point my kids would be like, listen, I want to play that. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. PJ2. So, like, when you, you say 2K23, mm-hmm. oh, this is so cool. So, like. Sorry, folks. So I'm like really nerding out here, but this is <laughs> this is total nostalgia. This is something like, like I stopped playing golf for a while and I got back into golf, mm-hmm. and then I realized like golf has totally expanded from as a kid. Like now you have like GPSs for like to know oh, how the yeah. yardage is, and now yeah, you have these like all these things that just weren't around when I was mm-hmm. a kid. So I ended up, so it was kind of like I over like the seven eight year gap where I kind of just got out of golf, and then to come back into I'm like it's a whole nother world, which makes sense because of how fast things move so now when you think right. of video games you're like oh okay like video games like obviously didn't stop being made they just kept getting improved on but i've been right. i've had such a gap of just focusing on it that now i look at it i'm like oh that's awesome like yeah. they have all these cool things now yeah dude it, it's insane dude <clears throat> excuse me technology just advances so fast and now with just the entire world being connected and everything just being out there right there's just a massive access to information and now they look like movies though I'm oh, saying, like, when incredible. we play video games, it's, like, a little bit pixelated, and you can tell yeah. it's, like, a game, and now oh, you start watching these. Like, some of the some of the games, you're like, mm, okay. It feels like, like a movie. It feels like you're, like... Oh, yeah. Like, you literally are playing through a, through a movie or a, a book, whatever it may be, right? But it's visually just captivating what they can do now. So, um, okay, we'll move off of movies here. So, when mm-hmm. you... We'll move off of Blockbuster. I just thought it was cool. You went to Blockbuster. <laughs> no, no, you I just didn't. had like the, the memory of like bringing the game and getting yeah. the game, and you're so excited. And like, but it had like the it didn't even have like the real case. It had like the Blockbuster. Oh, case. the Blockbuster case. Yeah, oh, you yeah, pop yeah. it open. Like, I got that game, and you put it in. Yeah. Whatever it is, but yeah, because the case was always display. Yeah, exactly. So when you, um, so then you got into banking, and obviously you're still in the banking field. So you've been in banking right. for what? So wise now, I took a little hiatus from banking. Okay, um, I had about. Just shy of 10 years in between, so uh, Citizens Bank, and then I spent just shy of five years at Key Bank, right? Okay. Uh, most of that time, actually, aside from that first year. This is in uh, Vermont? Yeah, right in Brompton. Okay. So uh, College Street and Bank Street. 
Okay. Well, yeah. One one end of the or one end of the street or the other. Yeah. Basically, so I don't know how familiar you are with Burlington, but you know where like uh, VPB is, Vermont Pub and Brewery. Yeah. 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 So the citizens Remember right the across quad there. Is there. Exactly. Yeah. Citizens is right across there, and then if you go just up towards uh, where the mall used to be. Yep. Keybank's right there. Gotcha. Yep. So went through that. Um, ended up working in a. Uh, with good people, but a, in my opinion, poorly managed department. Okay. They've been severely downsized and were managed out of state. This was Citizens? This was with Key. Oh, with Key, okay. Yeah. And nothing against Key Bank, nothing against, like I said, love the people I worked with. Yeah. It was just, it's very difficult to be managed out of a, a much busier, um, much busier district. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like if I'm working here. Right, and my management is in Burlington, and they're expecting me to do what Burlington does here. Yeah, right. It's manageable, but it's out of context a little a, bit. It's a little bit harder, <clears throat> and not to really compare the areas, right? But it's Burlington. Burlington's it's bigger. Yeah, right? absolutely. Plattsburgh's catching up. Don't get me wrong. I'm very confident that it's going to overshoot Burlington sooner and later. I love it. It's Burlington's just Burlington's got its own issues now, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I hear yeah. you. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of Vermont is a. Uh, there's no real in-between, right? The spectrum swings one way or the other, and then they try to adjust, right? Where here, it's like, all right, we're testing stages. We're testing, 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 which is, in my opinion, the way it should go. So, I mean, Burlington is, is uh, I mean, the weird thing with Burlington is it's the busiest city of Burlington, mm-hmm. Like, which is funny because I always think when you compare Plattsburgh to Burlington, Plattsburgh, I don't know where Plattsburgh ranks on the – most populous places in New York State. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, well, there's a lot of places farther ahead in Plattsburgh, but Plattsburgh is compared to Vermont's biggest. So it's like comparing New York City to something else, and you're like, right. there's no comparison. Um, and it's it's always funny where it's like, okay, we're comparing, and you could say like maybe Plattsburgh in sports terms, maybe Plattsburgh is like, you know, a high school level or you know, decent high school level player, mm-hmm. but you're comparing Burlington to maybe a professional athlete because it's the largest of that state. Meaning, right. I know it's a weird comparison, but I'm saying like. It's it's almost like a tough comparison to make because you're expecting Plattsburgh to live up to something that is much bigger. Where it's like Plattsburgh, even though I think it's great, I love the I love the area. Um, you know, like we're small relative to our own state, and then we're compared against the biggest of another like a neighboring state just because of proximity. Right. Well, it's proximity and competition, right? Because mm-hmm. we we know what's driving you know our a big driver of our economy is here too, right? Mm-hmm. It's tourism, right? So Plattsburgh and Burlington are always going to be looked at two sides of the same coin right and I, I don't disagree with you that it's it's not really it's not a fair comparison and i will say this on on this basis strongly burlington five colleges right yeah big money colleges uvm is still one of the most expensive colleges to go to even in, state. in the nation it's yeah. like 45 grand is an in-state per year mm-hmm. <clears throat> i think it's the most expensive in-state school right in the nation oh yeah yeah. Like for an in-state, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. So you got UVM, right? And I don't even remember how many students they take, but it's it was quite a bit, a lot. Yeah, right. So it's a lot. And you got right down the street, you got Champlain, mm-hmm. which is one of the highest-ranked like IT cybersecurity programs in the country, mm-hmm. and that's big bucks. Like that's big buckos, right? I know Burlington College closed, right? And I think you got Nike's St. Mike's still up right there. down the road. St. Mike's, that's another right? big Massive. private school. Massive, right? Big income. That's a 15-minute ride mm-hmm. into downtown, right? And you see all that money that comes in, right? And then Parents Weekend. 
So try to get a try to get a hotel room in Burlington during graduation well, or parents' weekend. Yeah, and I think it's like six hundred bucks a night. And the thing is, like Vermont's got a, a very, um, like if you go through states and take all fifty states and go like who, Vermont's got a culture. Mm-hmm. Like the state's got a culture. Like whatever you call it, hippie, farmer, whatever. Right. Like organic. Exactly. Like that's like what you think of in Vermont. Like think of Kansas or think of South Dakota. Like I. And maybe if you're from that area, you'd be like, oh no, South Dakota's got this. But like overall right. in the nation, you like Iowa, you think farms, you think corn, you think mm-hmm. like you know Wisconsin, you think I, like in my mind, you think cheese, you think farms, you know. And I think everybody, Mich- Michigan, you think cars. Like I think that right. you have a theme in a lot of different places. Exactly. Like New York State, you think of like New York City, right? And then you equate everything to that. So I think there's certain states that have a theme to them. Certain states don't. Like New Hampshire and Vermont are neighbors. Vermont mm-hmm. is a bigger theme state than New Hampshire, in right. my opinion. Like people think of like, Verm- if you think of like New England, you think of Massachusetts and probably Vermont. You're not really thinking Maine. You're not thinking New Hampshire. You're not really yeah. thinking Connecticut. You're not thinking Rhode Island. You're right. thinking like New England. People think Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Normally, that's the top. I think right. Boston. One. Let's be honest. Yeah, Boston, New England Patriots, whatever you exactly. want to call it. It's like you think of that, and then I think a lot of people because Vermont really, I feel, leans in heavy to, like, like the culture of Vermont, like organic farming, like, you know, just that New England style. Like, and I love Vermont. Like, I think it's cool. I love like the vibe of Vermont. I love going to Burlington, but like Vermont, I feel like embraces that like small, um, you know, like community feel as an entire state Mm -hmm. where some states, they don't think embody that as much as Vermont. Like people talk about Vermont, like Vermont's been in, you know, different, like super troopers. And I mean, I know it's like funny, but right. you think of like, just even like some yeah. movies and things that people equate to Vermont. And obviously they have a massive college. I mean, New Hampshire has Dartmouth. So, I mean, you do have like some big schools, of course. but it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking just, you know, Burlington centric, um, Chinden County. Right. But Burlington even, even has a name for itself. Yeah. I would even say more than like Manchester, New Hampshire. I think like Burlington still sticks out oh, more than some of those places. Well, it was always such a progressive place, right? Yeah. It was always yeah. just viewed as this this pinnacle of, of awesomeness and great times and yeah. what have you, right? But you look at Burlington and you look at the rest of Vermont, right? Or even Chittenden County and the rest of Vermont. Like mm-hmm. Burlington or Chittenden County is its own, it's basically its own little state. It's a pretty wealthy area. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they're able to do a lot more. Mm-hmm. Right, and they're able to just bring all that stuff in. Um, but like rustic Vermont, oh man, can't beat it. So, like when you grew up, where you grew up in Montpelier, because Montpelier is not really that big of a city. I mean, it's big for yeah, Vermont, I mean, but it's not a big city. <clears throat> exactly. When you think of Vermont, you don't think of Montpelier, the capital, right? You're like Burlington. It's the least populous capital in the world, or yeah, in the states. I mean, it's, it's like, also United the only states. capital that doesn't have a McDonald's. Still, yeah, it's like nine thousand really? people or something. Really? <laughs> Yeah, that's so fun. Imagine that's like the, that's when you know you made it as a company when that's actually a stat. Like you yeah, know no, exactly. in the capital. Um, now Montpelier is a, it's one of those places. It's it's a little boring to grow up in as a child, right? As a teenager and a young adult. Mm-hmm. But it's also one of those places that once you pass, you know, once you get like your partying and everything out of the way, and your whole oh, I want to see the thing and like. You really start thinking like, you know, family life, settling down, where do I really want to be at? Like, I am constantly drawn back to that community of like, really? it's, it's, there's enough that goes on and there's enough of what I'm interested in that goes on, but it also doesn't go on till four in the morning, you know? What, um, how often do you go back to Montpelier? Nowadays, more often than I used to. 
Okay. Um, not so much Montpelier anymore. My parents, so my parents used to still live in Montpelier. Now they've moved to Barry, but I'll go through both. Like I'll go and visit. Yeah, Barry's right there, right? Exactly. Yeah, neighboring okay, towns. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I try to. I I drive through. Right. I still have like my friends' families still live there. Do you see this, by the way? On the map, we're looking at everybody. There's mm-hmm. like little maps that literally say Vermont floods, like active. <laughs> like right now, these are like popping up on the map. Is like oh yeah, that's yeah, wild. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something we said too. Like people. Like, I have kids, you know, obviously I'm in my 30s now, which I know sounds funny, but I'm at the age where I'm like, I like things that are a little bit slower now. I mm-hmm. like, like, and it, it's funny when you, you know, and obviously you're experiencing this. So, like, I don't, it's not like 30-year-olds now are really different than ever before, right. but, like, now we're living in the context, so now we have a exactly. better understanding of it. But for me, like, I enjoy quiet. I enjoy, like, but I, again, with kids, like, I enjoy going out and... You know, let's say have dinner or a couple of drinks at night, and then I'm going home. I don't want to stay out till two in the morning. Like, right. you know, it's just a different. It's a different experience. But exactly. I also don't want to live in a city or something busy. I'm like, I like going home and having like a little reprieve, just to like chill and not see people and just relax and like do my own thing and hang out with my wife and my kids. Like that's and that's why I can see like a Montpelier. I think is you know, oh yeah, fits that bill. Yeah, and it's funny too. Like I used to so. When I was younger, I would always complain, like, oh, my God, like, the whole town's sleeping by, like, 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. Right? Like, there's no traffic. There's nothing. And I look back at it now, and I'm like, at 9 o'clock, I could be in the middle of the road on Main Street, like, skateboarding or whatever I was doing back then. You know, yeah. Skateboarding, BMX, whatever. No cars, no traffic in the middle of the road. Like, not bothering anybody, not being bothered. And I'm like, that's nice. Like, um, it's safe. It's quiet. It's chill. Yeah, and as you get older, you just have more appreciation for that. Exactly. Like, I don't want to be bothered. Like, I'm like, yeah. and I'm not like this crotchety old dude, but it's just like the idea of like, I, you know, there's things I value now that ten years ago I didn't, and exactly. like ten years from now, I'm sure I'll have different interests than I do now. And right. Like, but it's part of the evolution and like living life, and it's like you embracing, you know, like I've heard the term and I love it, like the seasons of your life. Like I'm in a season now with something different than ten years from now, and exactly. ten years ago was way different than I am now, and I think, mm-hmm. but every every. Uh, I also heard like a couple cool things like, like I I let's I don't know let's say we met each other maybe five years ago now three four five years ago yeah so I think we met my first uh, ADKYP outing at Hobie's actually because I this, remember I remember specifically coming up to you and be like dude do you play soccer because I'm looking for a soccer that's team. right yes. yeah it was like maybe yeah. a month or two after I started with the bank you're right um wow good memory um that that was what. For, uh, for, it was before COVID. It was. That would have been... So I came back from from military school end of September of 18. I didn't start working at the bank till July of 19. Yeah, that sounds So it would have been right. like August, September, I think. So like it, so you take, say, four years we've known each other. Like Then you look at, um, you know, 10 years ago, like never was going to happen. You know, not in a bad way, but I'm just saying like we were never right. coming in contact. And then you look from 10 years from now... Depending on like where life goes, like you kind of you start to meet new people and kind of get drawn to different people based on your life events, right? So, and then you also think of how things lead to things in life. Like you think about like it just is just where you like live, and then hypothetically, say your aunt never moved here, and your aunt moved like you said to Germany. Like exactly. you could be in Germany, like I never would have met a male. Like exactly, and I, you know, and you kind of look at this is why you know this is kind of like a philosophical thing but this is why i always think like i like 
when things happen, I just trust that it happens for a reason. Exactly. You know, and like some people, like they make a decision, they second guess. And I'm like, I make a decision. I'm just like good with it. Cause I'm like, you know what? Something is prompting me to make that decision. Exactly. And then that decision just leads you, I think, as the way you probably should be going. And I think, right. you know, whether it's a sixth sense, guardian angel, whatever that, it, it, you know, but it's just that right. idea of like, I just put my trust that something weird in life is going to kind of like push you into a certain avenue. And I, I feel like, kind of at peace with that where i think some people second guess it where i'm like i don't know like at this point in time in the like history of the world you and i were meant to sit here yeah i know it's weird that's it but i just think of it like that so it's like it's kind of cool when i talk like when you start telling your backstory like i came from you know bosnia and i went to here and i did this and that and it's like oh well a lot of things lined up for you to get to plattsburgh yeah it wasn't like you were born in plattsburgh yeah and there was there's a lot more to that story as is man but uh yeah it's funny you know i always I like to remind myself that life does not care about my plans and it's just going to do what it wants to. And it's always important to just stay fluid. Like that's, I try to just stay as flexible and just be like, cool. Like, all right, like this is where I'm at now. Like, how do I move forward from this? How do I prosper? Like where am I at? I'd always try to keep like an open mind and just be accepting of things. So so two things I want to ask based piggybacking off of that. Obviously you went to the military. Yes. Still part of the military. Still. So, Speak to that and then also – so I want you to answer that question first. And then I also want you to speak to how come you're still in banking. Not in a bad mm-hmm. way, but I'm saying you obviously went – you're in banking, military, came back into banking. Right. And then how you got to Plattsburgh. All right. Uh, so military and Plattsburgh align. Right. I was unhappy, obviously, in my career field. I didn't really have any progression uh, in the position I was with and the department I was with at Key. No more. Uh, yeah, sure. Actually, if you don't I'll mind. make a text. I was going to say, are you going to join? I, I will. I'm just, I'm going to text I'm, because I'm teasing. You, you saw how my, uh, yeah, you saw this, this loosened me up a little bit. <laughs> well, you also saw that I can't make, I don't know what I'm doing. Jen's like, you want it neat? I'm like, no, 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 no. God, you're good. You're good. Um, but yeah, so at the time, right, my, my wife and I at the time were, uh, renting a two bedroom apartment. Essex. Okay. Right. No kids, no pets, no nothing. We couldn't have pets, but it was a sweet gig. It was about a 20-minute ride into Burlington. We both worked downtown. Um, and a friend of ours was living with another friend uh, out in Westford, Vermont, which is 2,000 people just nestled out of, like, just outside of Chinden County. It's like Chinden, Franklin County fringe. A beautiful, beautiful area. Like, still got covered bridges and like it, there's it's mountainous. Like it's beautiful. It's like that. It's like that real authentic Vermont kind of vibe, right? And it's all community driven. Every weekend they have one big common, like down in the middle of town. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and mind you, again, like I said, two thousand people is the population. Is Westfield? Westford. Westford. Yeah. And uh, there's always something going on there, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful area. Right, so our friend lived out there uh, with another friend of ours, and she moved down to Florida, and he was looking for somebody to come and, like, basically rent from him, right? Because he had a he had an in law suite downstairs, and then he had full house upstairs. So we ended up moving in with him and just kind of all co inhabiting, and he was he was with the card, and uh, I had spoken with him multiple times about how I was like struggling with career progression. I didn't know if I wanted to stick with it. Like I was like, you know, if I'm going to make a change, like I'm still young enough, but old enough, right. To make a a coherent decision 
for the right reasons and not just be like, I'm sick of working here. I want to work somewhere else, right? Because I was 30. So he was like, dude, like, why, why wouldn't you look at the guard? And it brought back um, something I thought about before because in high school, uh, one of, so I've still, like, I'm still super tight with a group of kids that I grew up with. Like, there's five of us. Yeah. I'm, right? I'm the same but, way. I got from, about the same amount of people. Yep. Exactly. Right. So elementary school, right? Yep. Third grade, fourth grade. Literally, like, like two, two weeks from now, we're like texting like, hey, a couple of guys are in town. You guys want to get together? Yeah. Like on a Saturday night, just to like hang out, have a drink, you know, just chill. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. I just talked to my, uh, my buddy down in Florida and uh, he's like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up in a few weeks. Like. We're going to be able to get together, play some golf. It's like, hell yeah, man. And you know what the fun the fun thing is about that? It's they're your buddies that have known you since you were a kid. Mm-hmm. And not that it's like we're both a little bit different than we were in high school. Of not course. in a bad way, but like we're oh, just yeah. you grow and you're, you know, things change. It's been 20 plus years. So when you look at that and then you get those guys again. There's a nostalgia, but there's also just a pure escapism. Oh, my God. And yeah. I think that's what I look forward to is, like, I just want to watch a game, have a drink, make fun of each other, mm-hmm. and just completely not care. Like, in, in, a, in the best sense of the world. I mean, these yeah. are, like, just my like my guys from, like, when I was a kid. And I just want to hang out with them. And I don't know. There's something about it where I'm, like, I don't have to think about work. I don't think I have to think about, like, life. I can just, like, chill with my buddies. That's it. And it just feels like I'm back in the high school. Yeah. And it's awesome. Zero judgment. Just complete acceptance. Yep. Be who you like, want to be. I don't be. care what you're doing for work. Have I don't care what you got going on. Like, yeah. we're, we're just here to hang out. Exactly. Yep. It's either we're running a LAN party, watching a game, we're playing beer pong, like, whatever. We're yep. throwing stones in the river, whatever it might be. It doesn't but, matter. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And the last... So, we haven't all, as a group, gotten together for... Oh, God. It's been nine years, maybe? Eight, nine years? This is all five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. We're kind of scattered, right? So there's myself, Brendan, Tyler, Jason, Taylor. Yeah, it's five of us, right? Yeah. And uh, we all, we like scattered and <laughs> some of us have kind of gotten back closer together. Um, so my friend Brendan, he's the one that's coming up from Florida. Uh, looking forward to seeing him. He, <laughs> him and I met actually in third grade before I really spoke this English. A, you're literally telling my story. Like yeah. I'm saying like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm loving yeah. this right now. So before I spoke English, like we came, so we came here, actually we came to Vermont Valentine's Day, it's February, right? So we're outside at Reese's and I was a kid like during the winter that always wore shorts, like shorts and a sweatshirt, okay. always. Like I was never really cold. It's changed. It's catching up. Bosnia is warm though, right? It's, it's kind of like, like here. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like here. Four okay. seasons though, not six. But okay. Yeah. You know, very, very close. Yeah. Mediterranean. Though. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, God, I remember him and I got in a fight in a soccer game at recess and I couldn't like, we couldn't communicate. So it just got frustrating. <laughs> we both ended up in the office together and we ended up just like progressing as friends. And here we are, but it's so cool. God, I don't even know how long it's been. 30 years. 96. Come, yeah. Coming yeah. up on it. That's yep. wild. <clears throat> yep. And then, uh, so I met him and we kind of picked up everybody else as we progressed. Uh, kind of through grades. Picked up one fifth grade, one sixth grade, one seventh grade. You guys all graduate together? Oh, yeah. Same grade. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Almost a year apart in terms of our, our like, birthdays. Yeah. So I'm ve- I turned 18 three weeks in the senior year. And our youngest friend turned 18 after we graduated. Yeah. That's cool. So, like, August 30th, right? <laughs> or August. Oh, shit. So uh, you're September. Oh, excuse me. 
Yeah, September 24th. Yeah. Yeah. Made it to Libra. My mom always jokes about everything. I used to be late on everything. You know, it's funny. You and I are both, and I think this is where my favorite number is 24 because yeah. I was born on the 24th. I'm December, you're September, but like we're both 24s. Yeah. So get this one. My sister, July 24th. I'm September 24th. My brother, November 25th. Ah, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to reminisce. But yeah, so I'm like I'm stoked to see him, right? Yeah. And, uh, I unfortunately I've missed some stuff, right? Being gone, right? So anyway, going back to what we we're talking about, military. So my friend Jason, uh, his brother, his older brother was in the National Guard at the time. We're talking. I mean, I graduated. I never remember if I graduated 2004 or five. I think it was 2005. How old are you? Twenty thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah, it was it was 2005. You're five. Yeah, I was I was eight. Yeah, I'm okay. Three years younger. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Yeah, I don't know why I never remember. I'm usually really good with dates, except for like things that I'm like, oh, I have to remember this every like seven years, right? <laughs> so yeah, so we had graduated, right? I had no intention of going to college because coming out of high school, I was like, I have absolutely no clue what I want to do. Like, I don't want to just go to college to go to college, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I convinced my parents to let me take a semester off, which, you know, it was great. Uh, he ended up doing the same thing. And we're talking, we got to talking with his brother. And I was like, I had always kind of like, it was in the back of my head already, like National Guard kind of type. Not so much active duty, right? But National Guard. And I'm like, for me, it was always like, and it's like this this weird driving force inside me of like, how can I repay like for for us being taken in, right? Like, we came here as refugees. Okay. Like, our lives are a hell of a lot better than they probably would have been, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say 9 out of 10, way better, right? So it was always like, what's the best way I can give back, right? Like, I'm able-bodied. I'm able to do it. Like, why not? Like, I might as well go try and see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, I mean, again, we're talking 2005, like, Afghanistan and Iraq was a huge thing. Yeah, height of it. So National Guard had massive sign-on bonuses. 18-year-old kid, 25 grand. Like, mm-hmm. here you go, sign on. Six-year contract, four-year contract, whatever it was then. But uh, my parents refused 100%. We're like, absolutely not. You're not going to the military. Like, I wasn't even allowed to have a paintball gun. <laughs> wow. Like, like, that's... Was that's, that because of, like, some scar tissue from back home? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. 100%, right? So it didn't end up working out then. So I really, really wanted to go. So... When he brought this back up, and he was like, yeah, he's like, dude, you're an adult. Like, you don't have to, you're not an idiot. Like, you could do the test. Like, you pretty much, if you don't mess it up, like, if you're not really just unintelligent, you're going to do fine on the testing. You can pick whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And what, what was the age at this point? 30. Oh, you're so 30? So I'm 30. Yeah. Wait, so this was only six years ago. Yeah, I'm. so my f- initial six-year contract uh ends in september oh wow <laughs> late bloomer wow okay no yeah. sorry, sorry i thought this was like mid-20s or early 20s. oh no 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 you're good so wow, okay yeah so just shy of 10 years in banking mind you i have an associate's degree in accounting from ccv yep community college of vermont which excellent environment very small classes very tailored like mm-hmm. and the instructors were just incredible right and i think i always compare ccv to castleton and kind of think back to it and like there was one, maybe two instructors I remember from Castleton that were like somewhat captivating. 
but I was also in classes of like 150 people, right? Mm -hmm. Which is more than the class I graduated with. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then I think the CCV and it was like 15, 20 kids, you get one instructor. Yeah. And it was amazing because it was, it was more like kind of like this, like you were learning, but it was a very open it feels form. feels like high school. Yeah. I don't know, like my class in high school were like 20 kids. So like, Oh, fair. Yeah. So I I'm had, saying I like when, 87. But like in a classroom at a time? Oh, yeah. We're talking like 150 kids in a lab class. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. And we like, lived in a totally different school well, system not not in high school in college right? oh i'm saying high school like, like, my graduating class was 87 kids okay so i was like 50 in high yeah. school so it was like we had i'm saying like in high school i was used to like one teacher for like 20 students exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. okay yeah no college was about the same yeah yeah so i went to plattsburgh so i mean it's oh fair yeah yeah so um anyway he had brought it up and i was like you know what and like at that time like i was so just like done like just didn't want to do it didn't want to do it anymore couldn't do it couldn't see a future and i was like we're not moving like what else am i going to do so i went did, did the application did my tests um scored really well on the asvab which is the entrance exam for the army or military um and they came back they're like you know what here's your options like here's here's your like basically pick what you want right like you can do whatever job we have available so i i narrowed it down to five things of those five things, three were not available in the state of Vermont. <laughs> so okay. it's like splendid. Makes right? it easier though to pick now. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Fifty fifty. And so there were one was available, but the school was eighteen months long, and okay. it was. Um, I always mess up the name. It was crypto linguist. So you go and you learn like a multitude of languages. So you spend eighteen months, and you'll spend so eighteen months school, and you spend like three months per language. So you learn like five languages, right? Five, six languages, however many. And I'm sure this is, this is like, I mean, is it like Russian, Chinese? Yes. It's like, it's like very broad. Yeah. 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 So it's not a lot of overlap. I think at the time, yeah, it was Russian, Chinese, uh, Mandarin, Chinese, and uh, maybe like three Middle Eastern languages. Right. Ugh. And it was just like cram, 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 cram. Right. Uh, another one was uh, drone pilot. And I was like, mm, that'd be sweet. Not available in Vermont and way too much like Call of Duty. Like, you get that. So when you say drone pilot, is it you're not again? Maybe a very stupid question, but you're not flying. You're flying the drone from like ground level. So I'd be sitting somewhere locally, right at a base, yeah. with my joystick and my screen, and the drone would probably be in like Afghanistan or okay, Ukraine that, or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's such a large variety of drones, which I actually got to. Uh, I got to learning to fly some of them, and it was a blast. Like the UAVs, they're they're a lot of fun. How big are these drones? So when I, so what did you call it? A UAV? So, yeah. So you get UAVs, you get drones. They're all kind of similar. So they'll range from like, like, I don't know, the size of a cookie, right? Smaller. Wait, this is to a drone too? Like, yeah. It's like Whoa. predator drones that are just, those are like. So like I have like. Massive. I have like one of these sitting in my office. Yeah. So a little quadcopter. Yeah. I mean like yeah. I can fit in my palm. But they're sweet. And, like they're, oh, they're, they're a lot of fun. Oh, there's a lot of fun. And, and incredible perspective of views mm -hmm. like just throwing something out like over a lake and shooting oh, yeah. stuff and like it's just cool I'm like wow that looks awesome but yeah, yeah. wow okay so you're yeah, talking so about flying one of these bad boys so that's that's like way up there had i ever gone up there i fly more like the like i would have i started learning kind of like this so there's one called the puma this and there's one? one called no this guy right here okay yeah so that's probably the it wasn't exactly like that but it was similar to that in size so I flew those, and I flew a few smaller ones, uh, uh, unrelated training, right? Um, wow. So those were two. Uh, there was one that I 
I don't remember what the fifth one was. I just remember being like, nah. So UAV is unmanned aerial vehicle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they are, I mean, they uh, range anywhere from like, you know, like you've said, you can fly them and just like check out stuff in your area. You can, if you're a hunter, like you can track deer patterns, whatever you're doing, or you can take those bad boys, right? And you can go and <laughs> do other things with them. Again, kind of going back to like technology, but think about, and un- again, I, this is just how my brain works. Less than a, about a hundred years ago was World War One, mm-hmm. and then World War Two, obviously, what in the forties. So, think yeah. about the timeline from there. So we're basically a hundred years removed, or within a hundred years of both world wars, and they were like running. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but storming the beach of Normandy on right. foot with guns, getting motored down. Where nowadays you'd be like, I'm just going to throw up an unmanned drone. Where if it gets blown up, not a big. I mean whatever time money to build it but like right. no life doesn't really matter you can still cause devastation like it's just crazy that in like technology how much it's just evolved over a very very short period of time right i don't know sorry it's just like i'm looking at these things i'm like this is wild that 100 imagine 100 years ago like world war one world war two like oh by the way here's your drones like oh this makes our job way easier like it's easier but you know what i mean like well, yeah so one right like this will limit casualties correct right? yeah for whomever but you take a look at technology like this, right? And it no longer matters the physical size of your military force. Correct. Right? It's neutralized. Because one person with one of these could cause a massive amount of damage, especially in mass movements. Well, I mean, right? that was even like the atom bomb. Guy well, driving yeah. over one, I mean, one guy flying a plane could drop it and decimate right. a whole area. Yeah. But, yeah. Which, which you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, very, very kind of the same concept, right? So military is really, like, they say, the, right, the, the expectation for the next massive war, it's going to be cyber. It's all going to be cyber. And we, so speak to that. So when you say cyber, like, dive into that a little bit. Like, what? So tech-driven, right? So if I wanted to, like, go to war with your nation, your country, whatever, is it make more sense for me to send 10,000 foot soldiers in there with, guns and tanks and whatever it may be right or does it make more sense for me to take a hundred guys put them in a room give them what they need and be like hey take down their banking system yeah because who's you know you're gonna have soldiers that are gonna go but they want to get paid can't pay them what's gonna happen right you're gonna have a lot of desertion i mean take down the power grid you can also look You are. You are, absolutely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're the best. Thank you. Pour yourself something. Um. (laughs) 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 Then she'll get on the mic. Be wild. Um, No, so keep keep going. But, I mean, that's really it. You can cause a a massive amount of disruption and devastation to an entire country on a national level with no, like, I guess no local breaking in, no no foot soldiers, no premises on ground. Like, you know, like the shit. That, excuse me. I don't, no, I you swear. Hey, my bad. Um, passion coming. But you out. think about it, like the stuff that's been coming out, like the the hacking of elections and this and that and the other, right? Like, y- granted, a lot of stuff is very well protected. Like these are all things that have have been foreseen, right? It's all been hardened against, right? Hardening meaning increasing the strength of you know, your, whatever your layering of, of protections are. So you take that, but for us, right, in the States, there's what, three, 
right? Three primary power grids or power plants or whatever. Oh, I don't know. Like centralized power plants. Okay. It's like there's a there's an eastern, central, and a western, right? Okay. Well, you take out and you take out one, and you're knocking power out for I don't know. Let's think from 100 million people. Let's think Michigan down. Like well, we're just, I mean, down. United States is three the over 300 million. Has but, no power. But let's just say you have 100 million just wiped out third of the country. Yeah, just just loss of power, right? Like you think like oh, like the power's out, right? Mm-hmm. Like it happens. Our power goes out here mm-hmm. all the time with yep. storms and stuff. But when you look at it on a grand scale, like there's no banking. Devastation. Everybody's yeah. money is digital now. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to go? How are you going to get fuel? How are you going to get food? How are you going to cook? Were like, you, um, you might have not, no, you would have overlapped with this. Ice Storm 98? I was in Vermont, yep. But do I, you, do, I've I heard mean, about it quite a bit. Okay. I yep. mean, did you experience anything over there, Ice Storm wise? Not to the extent as here. But yeah, okay. so, I mean, we had we had it, but it wasn't like here. So I, I, I like think back then, I was young. I was like eight years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. So when you take like the ice storm back then, there was. You don't have to sneak. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I saw well, the whole thing. So, so I saw. I'm like, what is she doing? But I can, like all I could see was like shadows. <laughs> and like and like, oh, that makes sense. I can't spill. I can't spill. Thank, oh, fine. thank, thank you so you much. Enjoy. Thank you. Um, oh man. Uh, shout out to Jen. Big uh, time. But uh, <laughs> so, but if you think about like the. Um, so the ice storm back then, again, I was uh, 98, I was probably eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. So when you take the ice storm, I remember not having power for almost two weeks. And it was kind of weird, but it like happened, I think, like January, February time. Right. And, you know, we basically, our school break was like wiped out for that year. But again, right. I'm eight, nine. I have no concept of that. Exactly. You know, I'm not a senior in high school. I'm like, ah, oh, this sucks. Like my seat, whatever. But the thing I look at is I the two things I vividly remember actually now I'm thinking of it four things I can remember five things I can remember my dad finally getting or dad our house getting a generator probably mm-hmm. like a weekend number two I remember watching a power line snap at the mm-hmm. end of my road I know random thoughts but these are like things that come out oh, as 30 something years old exactly. my brain. I remember cooking SpaghettiOs luckily we had a wood stove we'd actually burn wood which was fine yeah it was great heat but we would actually like put spaghettios on top and we'd like broil spaghettios. So exactly. you had like soup and like so you actually eat decent, you know, with that because uh, we had an electric stove back then. We didn't have a gas stove, exactly. So we had the wood stove. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually gonna lie, I've got six. I remember putting milk <laughs> in ice in a cooler. Mm-hmm. Like that's how we had milk. So I remember that. Um, that was four. I remember playing um, cards at night by candlelight. But the biggest thing I remember, which is wild, and I think this goes back to, again, I get like sometimes, um, I don't say philosophical, but like like kind of breaks stuff down. I remember we had no power, obviously, mm-hmm. during February. It got dark at 4, 30, 5 o'clock at night. I remember I'd be like 6, 7 o'clock and like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. And you don't know what time mm-hmm. it is. I mean, you'd have like everything was whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, like, going to bed 7 o'clock at night. Yeah. Like, in my mind, it was like, it's dark, go to bed. And the thing is, when you actually take, like, you know, human civilization mm-hmm. out of the whatever, that you look at, people went to bed when it got dark, and they woke up when it got light. So, right. like, that was just our normal, you know, was it called rhythm or whatever? Circadian rhythm, Cir- yeah. Yes, thank you. 
rhythm. So I just remember there's the only time in history, in my, well, my history, mm-hmm. the only time that I can ever remember <laughs> that I went to bed when it got dark and I woke when it got light out. Mm-hmm. Because it, time was relevant back then because you weren't doing anything. Everybody exactly. staying at home. It was like COVID, but right. um, at least COVID. And like, I still have my internet. I still have my phone. You're exactly. still watching like stuff late at night. But right. back then it was like nothing. And you're just like, okay, we're playing cards. It's candlelight. I'm like, I'm kind of getting tired. And yeah. next thing you know, it's 6, 30, 7 o'clock and you're in bed. Exactly. I mean, get great. I mean, again, I'm a young kid, so I don't, I don't remember the concept. But like now, imagine us now, like, like what are you doing? If power goes out right now, what are you doing right now by candlelight? Well, that's it for a long period of time. Exactly. I'm like, I would probably read. I like reading, but I'd probably read right. for a certain period of time, and then I'd be mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm tired. Right, but then you throw in family on top of that. Like, for me, like, yeah. I, you know, I don't have kids. I'm just chilling. If my power goes out. I'm like. I got a million things I could do. Like I could, I can sit there and read for five hours happily, okay. right? But then throw in like a four and a five year old in that. Like, what are they gonna do? Yeah, right. Because now, like, there's. I'm not saying that everybody does it, nor am I judging by any means. But a, a technology is very helpful. Correct, right? Yeah, especially in terms of entertainment, education, Movie, like tablet, everything. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Like, you can play this game. Like, learn how to spell. Like, they'll sit there and play for two hours. It's not. Right? It's not only that. It's, it's just the fact of like physical light. Right. So I'm saying like you have candle. I mean, you have a generator maybe, but yeah. you have candlelight mm-hmm. and then you start looking or you have flashlights. So you pop batteries into flashlights. Right. But as a kid, like I just remember like you could play cards and we'd have some candles out and you would play cards, but yeah. it's still not the same as like a bright room. Oh, exactly. So you're sitting there and you're like, which also you. brings like, me to another that? thing. Like 200 years ago, we didn't even have electricity. Right. So that was like, that was the norm. And, mm-hmm. and I get, again, this is where I go. Like people, would, typically people would say something along the lines of, "Like, yeah, that makes sense." But then when you think about it again, I know I'm, this is this is how my brain works. I, I've been fascinated more over the last couple of years. Like, I, we'll talk about reading, but in a sec. But I I like to read, but I also like to start putting stuff in context more from like mm-hmm. a human perspective and put things at scale. So if you look at about two hundred, I don't know when electricity was invented. You know, Edison mm-hmm. or whatever. 200 years, I'm going to say 200, just around it. So say 200 years ago, we did not have electricity. So you're talking in 200 years, just the fact that we can look at stuff in the dark, which think about 250 years ago when we mm-hmm. didn't have it. Think of the Revolutionary War. Right. Like, two, I mean, for us, again, his, his, I'm sure at this point you know our history, right? Oh, I would hope okay. so. Okay. We I get past that. I'm always like, I throw it out there, but I'm like, no, he's been, God, he's been here for 30 years. So, yes, no, I'm, I'm quite familiar. Okay. So, like, yeah, so like 1700s. Yeah, yeah. And which is 300 years ago, mm-hmm. 250 years ago. Right. You have no electricity. People live like that all time. So then you start, like, I put this in perspective of the fact that. 250 years ago, people didn't have the ability to see at night. We now take it for granted. Aside from candlelight. But I mean, aside from candlelight, yeah. absolutely. But I'm saying like even candlelight, <clears throat> candlelight to this is a completely oh, different Oh, of course, angle. yeah. So the same thing with back in the ice storm, 98, we could, okay, we could see by candlelight. That's mm-hmm. fine. And we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers. We weren't streaming. So we had TVs, but we weren't streaming stuff like right. the way we are. So like the fact that we got pulled away like of electricity, it was like, I can't watch TV. I can't run my microwave. I can't run my oven or my mm-hmm. stove. So like the, the actual needs of us back then was very limited based on electricity. Yeah. Rel- I mean, no, but I'm saying right? relative to 2023. Yeah. 
Like now it's like, I can't really work. You know right. what I mean? I'm just saying like in general, like I can't charge my mm-hmm. phone to call people. Exactly. I don't have a landline. Like I'm it's just now it's to the point where we've gone so much to like, we need internet. We need telecommunication. Right. That, tw- you know, 25 years ago when the ice storm was happening was like, ah, oh, we don't have internet for lights. We don't have internet for TV and we don't have internet for your st- or, uh, internet. We don't have electric for your stove. Right. Um, maybe heating. Honestly, I don't know. I was, in, I grew up in Jay-Z. I have no clue the city of Plattsburgh was electric. Like 99% yeah. of people in the city were electric-based. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how they heated stuff. I'm assuming generators, yeah. but like what were people doing? And that's, exactly. the, that's the thing. Like I, My context was like I lived in Jay-Z. We had a wood stove that was our primary source of heat in the winter. Like we were warm. We could cook. Like mm-hmm. we actually had a pretty – I'm sure if I went back and looked, a very easy – Ice storm versus people that relied on electricity. Okay. Yeah, I'm guessing. Fair. And no, I have fair. no clue. Yeah. Like, I actually want to talk to people. Like, I'm just thinking this out loud. I'm like, if I talked to somebody that was in the city of Plattsburgh back in the ice storm, like, what did you do for heat? Right. They probably were like, we went to our friends in West Shay Z. I, I don't know. I'm just like, you yeah. know, that had a wood stove. I, right. So I don't know. I don't know how that worked. But yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's always interesting to look back when you were you know especially like that age because mm-hmm. you're very curious you're very inquisitive then and mm-hmm. you're trying you're to make sense of it but you just don't have a strong concept of of the world right of how everything works so like to look back at it like you were saying like it was cool like we had light we had hot food we had a wood stove like yep. when you really unpack the impact of like continuous loss of power like that's no laundry no hot water like february you're taking ice showers or mm-hmm. ice baths if you can run your water mm-hmm. right like you unpack all that down to the down to the level like you can't get gas yeah gas stations are electric yep. right the pump's not gonna work well, you said like, just getting for physically it? getting water yeah you can have a generator pumps. where are you gonna get more fuel yep like, yeah what are you gonna do like you said you guys had a wood stove which is awesome Everybody has a wood stove is stockpiling up their wood for the winter. And what, we were, I mean, August, we were September. lucky too. Like at, at that point, like we had enough, I mean, we had wood till it got warm. Oh, exactly. I mean, I mean, like I said, we were very fortunate for that. Right. Yeah. And again, like you look at two weeks, right? Like two weeks is a long time to be without power. Mm-hmm. And you take, um, I'm going to have, what was it? Like 2018, 19, the, when the hell was it? When Puerto Rico got like demolished oh, back yeah, to back, yep, yep. I mean, months, yeah. months without power, right? And like, like you said, nowadays, like we can't work, you can't communicate without power. Nobody's got a landline anymore. You know, <laughs> like so my uh, so my sister right now. At, oh, actually, you're, I mean, you're, you have better geography knowledge than I do. Um, you know where Tanzania where? is? Yeah. Ta- so in Africa. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Tanzania. Okay, so she's in Tanzania right now. She's mm-hmm. a teacher. She's over there doing like a few weeks abroad. Um, and the wild thing is, with Tanzania, my knowledge of Tanzania, I'll tell you right now, is I knew Freddie. Mer- I love Queen. Mm. I knew Freddie Mercury was from Zanzibar. <laughs> my sister was on Zanzibar. I didn't even know Zanzibar was an island, yep. which I found out was an island. Um, so. She was on Zanzibar. Now she's somewhere in Tanzania. No clue. So naturally, I'm like, I'm going to start looking up Tanzania. Right. I didn't even know where Tanzania was. It's eastern, mid, kind of like southern, eastern Africa, just south of Kenya. Um, So Tanzania, I found out, is the most populous country south of the equator. Did not know that. 62 million people. 
Damn. Which I thought Australia would have that. Maybe Australia does have six, 62 million people. I don't know. I don't know the numbers. But mm. um, so I saw that, whatever. So then I ended up looking like, so she's sending, she's working with, um, she's teaching, she's working at a school. Mm-hmm. And she, she's sending us a lot of photos and she was just on safari and now she's with, like with the kids. It's like, it's cool to see because obviously like I've never been in Africa. But when you start looking at a lot of these kids, it's, it's, like a couple kids have like a Nike hat and something like that, but it's not like a Nike hat that we would have. It's like a Nike oh, hat yeah. that I feel like they got like luckily like in a bulk of items that they happen to put on. And most right. likely it was a secondhand thing. And you start looking at, and this kind of goes back to where we were before. Like you watch some of these kids and like how they're dressed and how they act and like the location where they're at. Right. And which is two things I got out of this. Number one, the location is from a U.S. standpoint, poverty, like poor. Oh, right. Like, of course. Location, like just the, the, the stuff they have access to, just right. the way it looks. Like, underdeveloped. Underdeveloped. Right. Perfect. Yes. That So that's number one. Mm-hmm. How they're dressed, just everything about it, probably their school materials, just very underdeveloped. Right. Number two, I would say, which is wild, those kids look happy as hell there you go and and you know what's crazy is this is also something that i've tried to get you know better at and kind of put in perspective and Mm -hmm. things in life like you look at these kids that are in tanzania so this is eastern africa again i've never been to africa i've never been to tanzania i knew nothing about tanzania besides freddie mercury lived in Zanzibar. (laughs) again i love love queen but um and rest in peace freddie but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day Tanzania, I knew nothing about the actual country. I found out that Kilimanjaro was in Tanzania. I did not know that. Okay. I knew Kilimanjaro was the highest point in right. Africa. I didn't know what country it was in. I did it's in not. in Tanzania. So, Good to know. Yeah, fun fact. Um, <laughs> but, so, but Tanzania, when you look at it, I'm like, you see these children, and they're just like chilling, and they have the happiest smiles on their face, and they just look like they're loving life. But this is also perspective. Like we're that's gonna it. we're gonna bitch about something that's really not. I mean, at the end of the day, I try to not complain a lot, and there's times where I find myself complaining, and I have to like. It's almost like I have to like mentally like sit myself down and like you gotta gut myself. check yourself. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. weird. Like I, I'm sure. And again, I've only lived in one brain my entire life. It's my own. Mm-hmm. I'm not different than any other person. Right. Like you and I are ninety nine point nine 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 percent similar. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I have this running dialogue in my head all day long, as I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. Um, and I look at stuff where, like, I do stuff, and I'm like, I don't judge myself negatively. I judge myself almost like a critical, like, a coach. Like, yeah. Like, hey, Galen, not a good idea. Hey, think about that. Hey, you could have been, be- been better. Um, I did something last night. Not, not bad, <clears throat> but I was like, like I was telling my wife, I'm like, ah. I just, I shouldn't have done that. It wasn't a bad thing. I literally, like, yeah. it was, it was, I mean, even if I said it, it wasn't like, people think, oh, that's not that big of a deal. But in my head, I was like, you know what? I should have been thinking clearer. I should have made this decision better. And it literally wasn't anything that was a major decision. It was right. like, it just cost someone else like 45 minutes. In my head, yeah. I was like, I know why I did the mistake. I could have every excuse in the book as to why I did that. But then in my head, I'm like, you know what? That you got that was not a good move. I know yeah. you'd be better, and it wasn't maliciously done, but it was like right. I should have been thinking better when I made that decision. Literally, what it was, people were watching our kids. Mm-hmm. I got home a little bit later than I thought I was going to get home, 
And in my head, I'm like, I should have just gotten home and did what I needed to do at the house so they could leave versus yeah. doing it before I got home. Mm-hmm. No, no malicious intent, whatever. But in my head, I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Because I just cost those people an hour. Right. In my head, 45 minutes. But it was like an hour. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, that's a very selfish thing of you to do. Now, granted, they maybe didn't care. Maybe it wasn't a big deal. But in my head, I was like, I was like, Galen, be better. Right. It was like a weird thing, but I have this dialogue all day long. So, the, like, again, I look at the children in Tanzania, and these kids are living life up, having a blast, and me would yeah. look at their – and be like, man, that looks, like, really underdeveloped. Yeah, like, I would have a terrible time there. Like, yeah, what the like, hell would I do? I'm Where's playing Netflix? my buddies. I'm hanging yeah. on the uh, – Like, I'm kicking a friggin' pineapple around on the street or whatever, and they're happy as can be, right? Yeah, and it's perspective. And, like, and cool. like, our kids are like, I lost internet, and I don't have my computer or my tablet, and I'm freaking out because I can't watch my favorite Disney movie on demand. I'm like – I had to watch, like, I know it sounds crazy. Like, I had to go up to the TV and change channels and had commercials. Mm-hmm. My kids are like, commercial? Like, hey, Dad, something's wrong with the TV. Yeah. I'm Skip like, it. Skip the commercial. I'm like, dude, this is commercial, <laughs> man. Like, yeah. this is like. Welcome well, to High well, Grow Up. Welcome. Yeah, welcome to my Just wait for a flip-flop to come flying across the room. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, like, back then, it was like, I mean, well, I mean, these children are like, internet? I don't even have internet. Like, I don't even care. Well, like, I'm going to go play soccer yeah. with my buddies out in the, like, bare feet out with a ratty old ball. Exactly. But I'm with my buddies and I'm having fun and I'm outside and, like, and then you kind of strip down, I know, again, this is like higher, like way out thinking, but mm-hmm. we're talking less than 20 years that this expectation has now been met. Right. Like when we were kids, we didn't have, I mean, we had TV, but like no. how much more did we go out and just like make believe stuff than teenagers nowadays? Oh my God. By necessity. Yeah. I'm saying by necessity because I was it like, really eh, was. there's really not much to watch. It wasn't even by by necessity. Per se, like, yeah, to an extent, right? But you think about it, like, you don't know what you don't know. You can't miss yep. something that you don't know Correct. is a thing, right? So we didn't have that. Like, I'm sure it was the same for you as for me. Go out and play. Mm-hmm. Don't come back until I call you for dinner. Mm-hmm. Like, dinner's not ready until I call you, mm-hmm. right? Go play. I don't care where you go. Get out of the house. Go. Yeah. Right? Stay out Can you dark. imagine throwing your kids out? Like, you telling your kids, go out and play in the road, in the street. Go wherever mm-hmm. stay within where i can hear you if you yell don't come back till the sun comes down yeah right and that was so common for us that's why like we always had like big groups of kids in the neighborhood mm-hmm. didn't matter if you were four or 15 like everybody was hanging out playing kickball mm-hmm. tag whatever hunting fireflies whatever you can think of but that's that whole like you're building camaraderie right you're building unity you're learning how to be a team player you're learning how to work with various like levels right Think about it, like before cell phones. Yeah, you get to run into your buddy's house and call your like when you got to your buddy's house, call yeah. your parents from the landline, like memorize the number. You had yeah. to memorize the numbers. memorize the numbers. Yeah. I still know all my buddies' numbers. <laughs> I know you do. I, I can tell that. I'm like, you got five buddies. You know say, all their like, numbers. Here we go. You know all, all their right. numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know. I know half my childhood friends' numbers better than I know my wife's cell phone number. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to know anybody's cell phone number. I just I, pull I, up their name. I know. This is the amount of people that I know. For a fact, I know their number. Mm-hmm. My mom, my dad, my sister, my my other sister. I have two sisters. Mm-hmm. Because though we had, I had to know the cell phones when they first got the cell phone. I still have to think about it right. to this day. Mm-hmm. And arguably at this point, I may only know, actually I lied. My youngest sister, I have no clue what her number is. So mm-hmm. I lied. So I have four. And yeah. I know my wife. I know mm-hmm. five people in my own. So six. Right. Jen, who I talk to every single day, 
I have no clue what her cell phone number is. Well, that's it. Right? I put it in my phone. I find her and I just call her or text her and it just says Jen. It doesn't say her number. Listen, I'm, I know my cell phone number. I'm going to agree with you on this because whenever I leave my office phone number, I always have to pull up my business card. Like, what yeah. is my office number? Because I'm... You know, when I have to fill in my... Why call my cell phone? What, you know what I do for office number? I find a photo because we have it on signs mm-hmm. and I look at the sign. I'm like, okay, that's the number. Yeah. It's I, either... I, yeah, it's either I business God, card I or I open a new email. I'm like... All right, three, two, four, twelve, fifty. All right, got it. Yeah, which yeah. that's the first time. It's I wild. Just, I or like when you were a kid, like right. you, like again. Yeah. Eight four six eight four four nine. I know exactly who that number mm-hmm. is. My one of my well, that was my number eight four four nine. But eight five eight two seven six eight or eight seven or seven eight six six. Like these are yeah. all hot childhood. Exactly. Eight five eight two yeah. eight two five two. We had two two, two three one three nine seven yeah. was my home number. So like I can remember these for my kid, like for my buddies, like still to this day, and it's like, yeah. dude, get like, this one. Two two three three zero two one. My first job, fifteen. That's pretty good. Sorting bottles. That's pretty good. Remember that one. When, so fifteen was your first job. Oh, excuse me. Three zero two one was my uh, best friend's house number. I'm um, uh, Two two three two three three zero was my first job. I want to ask you a, a real question because I know. It. So two questions. Mm-hmm. What was your first job on the books, and what was your first job? Age. Uh, I started working at... Age and what it was. I started working in high school, probably 15. Okay. Uh, both, oh, that was on the books. So both jobs were on the books. Okay. Both, job, both of those jobs were on the books. Um, the first one, I started as a uh, bottle redemption clerk. Okay. Right, counting bottles, five cents a pop. Just throwing them in cans, throwing them in cans. That paid about... Six fifteen an hour, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. We're talking two thousand one. Okay, right. So I'm like, sweet, like, eh, maybe, maybe sixteen, right? But as a family friend, um, the guy owned the like a beverage center just three houses down from where I, where we were living at the time, mm-hmm. and his daughter was in my sister's class, right? So my dad and him knew each other through soccer and whatever. Anyway, he was looking for people. I was by far the youngest person there, 15, 16, right? It was like, you know, whatever, come come like three days a week, right? At the same time, I was playing club soccer. Like I, had, I hadn't played club until I got into high school. Who did you play club for? So I played for Capital Soccer Club. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm aware, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know so that, Peter yeah. Kim and George Cook, right? And uh, George Cook actually taught um, like computer and business classes at my high school. And he was my homeroom teacher. Okay. So I ne- I never played clubs. Like I played like, you know, like Onion River Sports, like pick, like the the seasonal stuff, right? Like the little clubs through yep. school. Right? But I got I got picked up in high school cuz he was my homeroom teacher and I was like, dude, I like at that time like I lived and breathed soccer. That was all I wanted to do. All I wanted to do was play soccer. Didn't matter what. I would literally go to school, go home, get my soccer ball, go outside. It's behind the house that I lived in before they tore it down there was like an old like tire factory mm-hmm. it's just massive wall that you just wall i just go big. down there and wall ball yep. all night yep. and they had a nice big bay garage door so that was my goal so i'd practice kicking the ball kicking the ball trying to figure out how to hit it right and how to curve it right and there was just there was about 20 feet of space right mm-hmm. just about 20 feet of space between that and the building back here it was just enough to be like I'm going to practice my free kicks, yada, yada. So um, anyway, so like I said, George Cook was my uh, homeroom teacher. And he was like, hey, why don't you like, why don't you come play for the club? Like there's a bunch of your friends play. Like 
I've never played club before, right? And for us, it was like the amount of money that it costs, which looking at it now is like, oh, like that's a, that, that was even, that was like a cheaper price then, right? To play year round. It was like four or 500 bucks, right? But we played year round. So we were talking fall season, indoor, spring season, yep. and then summer practice, mm-hmm. right? And camps. So I started playing with them and I loved it. Like I loved playing with the club. And then I started refing. So I was refereeing at the same time. So I was getting paid, what, six fifteen an hour, right? Or whatever the minimum wage. Maybe it was seven bucks. What was it called? Capital, you said? Capital, yeah, with an A. Capital Soccer Club. Yeah, you'll see them. They got a, a white emblem. I'm sure it's still, yeah, it's still around. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, and they're, they've come a long way now. Like, they've really come a long way. They take, uh, so cool. I don't remember how many teams now, but they take them to Barcelona every year. Oh, camp. no shit. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's wild, but... So I'm sitting there sorting beer bottles and like just, and I can tell you some horror stories from the things that we found in people's bags. Like, and I'm sitting there like covered in schmutz and garbage, <laughs> right? Now I'll go ref and I'll run around. I get to run for, you know, 25 minute halfs indoor, mm-hmm. right? I get to run the whole game. I get to watch soccer. I get to like ref soccer and I'm getting paid like 50 bucks a game, right? Or whatever it was, a massive fifty bucks an hour to run around. I'm like, I will ref seven games today, no problem. Yep. Right, and I'm refing like ten and eleven year olds. Like, there's not really that much running, right? Like, you could walk. Keep your foot down on throw ins. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's indoor, so there's even throwing. Oh, it's just like you can kind of just work between the two blue lines, and you're like, ah, right. And uh, I went through my, so I was still working bottle redemption. I got moved up to cashier and bottle redemption, which was awesome okay splendid so i was i was sharing back and forth i think it was like still beer everywhere yeah oh my god it's disgusting (laughs) but you know what i'll i'll never forget the dude's name he did me a solid he kept me employed Mm -hmm. and i i enjoyed working there i met a lot of good people i met a lot of people in our neighborhood and i got to meet a lot of like my friend's parents right and like actual like as an adult right not as like a oh hey you're the kid that's in my daughter's grade right it was like they would come in like when they were doing whatever they were doing, right? Usually most of them were half sauce by the time they come in and they would just tell you the wildest shit you never hear, man. Like, the craziest stories. But So here I am. I'm doing that, right? I go through this full, like I spent the semester interning with the club on like a full coaching mentorship thing, right? So 150 hours I put in coaching, learning how to coach, how to develop practices, how to develop This is still players. in high school? This is my senior year. Yep. Okay. So I was able to take, uh, instead of taking, I don't know, some like crappy BS class, right? They're like, why don't you do an internship with us? And we'll count it as like a like college elective almost, right? Mm-hmm. So like you just do it. And then I had to give an hour presentation at the end of it. Be like, here's what I learned. Here's, you know, this, that, like the whole cumulative experience. It was amazing. I got to coach from what they called their junior dragons. And we're talking like two, three, four-year-olds, right? Like magnet so ball, like gone, like yeah, yeah. 46 of Everybody them in a corner. Like the, what is it called? Like the, the um, what's the old game? The, uh, not worm. Was it worm? It may as, snake. snake. It may snake, as well thank you. Yes. When, it was, so, like all the kids are following yeah. the fastest was, kid of the ball. It wasn't even snake. It was like, uh, it was like kick the hornet's nest, right? And they all yeah, come yeah, out and they yeah. swarm. Yep, yep. And it was hilarious. <laughs> yep. And although those practices would consist of you kick a ball, they chase it down, you go down, you kick it the other way, they chase it down. Yeah. Right. From that to, I mean, I was 18. I was coaching 17-year-olds. 
like oh, wow. coaching. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I did that full internship with them and it was an amazing experience right amazing experience and the pay was like at that time for me mm -hmm. like astronomical it was like yeah. something you like, like coaching it was, it was like 15 bucks an hour yeah and, and it was something you liked which is even more, like better. yeah i'm like i get to play soccer and coach like learn to do the thing i want to do yep and i'm getting paid like and i'm getting paid well yeah so i'm reffing i'm coaching and i'm counting freaking beer bottles getting stanky beer dumped on me yeah right for <laughs> less than half of what i'm getting paid here right so it ended up benefiting me because i told you i'd uh <clears throat> i'd taken that semester off yep so our jv coach for my high school left after my senior year okay so they were looking for a jv coach so here i am i had just been playing with these guys like JV varsity. And this was the high school. This was the high school. In and Montpelier? Montpelier. High okay. Montpelier High School. So I'm I graduated in June. August I'm coming on as the J V coach. So the kids I had been playing with and some of the guys had come up to play varsity with us, right? To fill in because mm -hmm. we needed bodies. Now I'm here coaching them. And it was just yeah. it was such a surreal thing. Like it was so weird but awesome. Like it was such an enlightening experience. And that paid like an ungodly amount of money for that time. So what was funny was, uh, so like you said soccer. So, uh -huh. so I'll go back. So two things. My first job ever on the books was mm -hmm. 2000. Yeah, no, it was 2000. I was like 14. It was not 14. 2003 or four. I started, I was 14 years old, got my working papers. I remember, I remember yeah. like, I remember when you go to the guidance counselor, you turn 14, I think 14 and 15, and I might have the colors wrong. I think it was like a yellow paper. And then like seven, oh, six, yeah, then yeah. like 16 and 17 was like a green paper. Yeah. Like you graduated, you yeah. got like a new paper. Yeah, and uh, I don't know why I still remember that. It was just, it was literally like a little piece of paper they signed in, mm -hmm. which I find funny that you had to go to the guidance counselor to get that, but you did. It was like you showed yeah. a birth certificate. You just went to the guidance counselor and they wrote it out. Yeah. So. I started working at an ice cream stand in my hometown at, uh, I think it was 04. I was 14 years old. I okay. I could get it. Yeah. yeah. Season start. I turned 14 in December of 2003. Yep. By April 2004, I was working because the season started. I worked in that job up until the time I was 20. So I stayed there for seven years. I... Finished the job in September of 2010-ish. I started to take my real estate course the same mm -hmm. month I stopped that. I got my real estate license in December of that year, and I've literally done real estate since. If okay. someone asked me right now, give me a resume, I would right. have – so my first job, eight years old, mowing lawns. First job on the nice. books, 14, serving ice cream. Mm -hmm. Then I was real estate. And you could say I coached, which I'm going to get into in a sec, and then I um, – I'm not substitute taught for like a one or two years but when i say one or two years it was basically the winter semester of college so it was like january okay. so like i probably had two months ever of uh substitute teaching i probably subbed like half a dozen times mm -hmm. so i don't even really consider that a job that's cool though i didn't i didn't know you taught i i mean what well, glorified dude, like i mean it was you two, did it yeah it's it was two easy. months no no i, I did it. and I, I was actually kind of funny i had a I did it a couple times at my home, my school, so Shazy, but then I did it a couple times mm -hmm. at Northeastern. Those are the only two schools I did okay. that. Northeastern was a school my mom taught at for years. So gotcha. I kind of got in, did the interview, whatever is easy. 
Um, and I remember I had to sit in one time for some kids. I don't even know what it was, like taking a test and something. And then I went to like a math test. The weird thing was I was 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just remember a couple like female girls coming up that were probably like 15 or 16, and, which is weird. Yeah. I was 18. And I just remember a couple <clears throat> girls like – I remember one girl literally came up like weirdest thing. I was in a math class. She stared mm-hmm. at me. And I was like, hey – are you in this class? She's like, nope, just wanted to see you. And turned and walked out. And I was like, what is going oh, on? Man. And I think at the time, it was yeah. just like, of course, the high school girls, like, oh, this 18-year-old guy is like our student teacher, whatever. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not like, I'm probably like very low on the totem pole of good-looking guys. But back then, to a 15-year-old girl, it was like, oh, my God, an 18-year-old substitute teacher. I just remember that. And then I remember subbing, subbing on like a tech class. I didn't have to do anything. It basically, mm-hmm. like, listen, we don't want you to, like, run any tools, which is good. I'm not very handy. But it was, like, just run these things. So I was, like, these kids were kind of, like, they were, like, challenging. I kind of think of, like, Breakfast Club. They were kind of, oh, like, yeah. the, like the, they were kind of, okay. like, trying to challenge you. So I was, like, I had one girl in the class. Mm-hmm. And this is the weirdest thing. I remember I came across this thing, like, a month or two before this time. And there was something that had to do with, like, the body, male versus female, like, just okay. anatomy. Fun. And there was only there was something only one girl like only girls could do, and it wasn't anything like mm-hmm. like yeah. any part of like sexual reproduction or anything. Like that. It was like it was literally like the way the bone structure was with male to female. Oh the yeah, guys yeah. Okay. could not do this, but females could. Mm-hmm. So I had all these guys are like, blah, blah, blah. and I'm, like, I'm 18. Yeah. These kids are like 15, 16 years old, right? And they're a couple years younger than me. I was like, <laughs> and I had one girl. I'm like, hey. I got a challenge for all of you because we can't use tools. We're just doing right. study. All these kids are studying, like whatever. And I had a double period. So I was okay. like, Oof. hey, let's 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 do this. And I said, uh, hey, female girl, whatever, come up here. I said, try doing I want you to do this. I described it. I can't do it. So I right. described it. It was something weird with like standing like a, a certain way. Challenge like, that came out. It was it was a, I don't know. It could have been. Yeah. Very weird right. thing, but I was like, I was like, hey, can you do this? And it might have been like stand with two feet together, like Bend down, touch the ground. It was something very simple. It was like a, just a movement okay. pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But guys can't do it because of bone, like whatever our bone structure right. anatomy that is. The girls can do balance. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. So, I, and again, I know this is a very vague story because I don't exactly remember what I told this girl to do. But I was like, hey, can you do this? Mm-hmm. I knew she could. So she like, I mean, just in the sense that like, so she does it perfectly. Like right, literally to course. the point where if I told you like, hey, I'm going to touch your nose. You'd be yeah. like, okay, Like easy. effortless, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Got it. So then I was like, okay. Cool. I'm like, hey, that's awesome. Like building it up. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, selling yeah. this class. Right. And the kid's like, cool, I'll, I'll try it. I'm like, actually, this is what we're going to do. I want you to try it first. And we're going to go all the way through. I'm like, I want to see how many can do what she yeah. just did. I'm like, that's easy. Every, I mean, maybe it was like 10 to 12 guys. Every guy couldn't do it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm like, and as it kept going and building, I'm like, wow, you can't, that's weird. Hey, yeah. Mark, you're up next. I'm like, Wait, wait, like, hey, Tom, get up. Like, I don't know why those guys can't do Can it. Can somebody please do and it? And I started, like, playing it off because I knew yeah. they couldn't do it. And it got to the final, and I could see it was so funny. So this girl's, like, like she was – and, again, she's a girl in a group of, like, 15 mm-hmm. boys in tech class. And I'm sitting there. She's watching it. And I could just kind of read the room. And, and as each guy went through, like, I could just see, like, her confidence building, which is cool because she was yeah. kind of a quiet girl. 
And I just remember this whole thing happening, and I was like, watch. I kind of like cornered my eye watching her because I'm like, I know they're never going to do this. Oh yeah, of course. And uh, you could see like I got to the end, and all the guys were getting frustrated. Like I'm going to do it next. Like I'm the next one. I'm going to try again. You guys suck. I'm going to do this, and none of them did. And this struck out. And I just had that vivid memory, and it was kind of funny because one, like the boys in the class were just like typical like. 15, 16, 17-year-old boys. And then you had this girl that was probably like 16, 17. Right. Who was a little bit kind of quieter and stuff. And yeah. I could just see her like rise up like, oh my God, I'm stronger. Or what? I was stronger. Yeah, like, like I I'm, can do it, but they can't. Correct. Yeah. And it was kind of All a right. cool moment. Right. But so that was my one memory of student teaching. Um, but not student teaching, substitute teaching. I would say student. I was not, I didn't go to college for teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, substitute mm-hmm. teaching. So soccer, I'm just going to bring this up. is because you probably would have saw me back in... There's a couple photos, I'm sure. Maybe not. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I have not Google stalked you, but I might have. I to. haven't actually done it much <laughs> either. But so, so this is what. So a couple things. So, so I played uh, for Shazy. Okay. Um, local, very, you know, soccer's very. Um, oh, I, I pretty see high sign. level. I drive by it. Almost yes. Every- <laughs> so we've won. We won a few state championships. Just a couple. And and the thing is, so I've and actually I've had my uh, the most downloaded podcast I've ever had on this at about two hundred and thirty eight episodes yeah. was my high school coach. I would I would imagine so. And and the thing a lot of it was like nostalgia, and he's been around for twenty five years. There's and, and, more numbers than letters on that sign, just so you know. I counted. Yeah, and and he's I mean he's a great guy, and obviously a big mentor of mine. And what was what was cool was I played soccer mm-hmm. all the way up, started in fifth grade, um, and. Played up through my senior year. We won the state championship my senior year in New York State, which was awesome. Like, Hell yeah. Which I'm trying to – like, this is my team right here. I'm just yeah. trying to think if there's a picture of me. Like, these are all guys – like, that's my cousin. That's one of my best friends. That's my yeah. cousin. That's his sister-in-law. Like, I mean, it's just like a small town. Right. Um, right I am actually right here. This is me. No, that's Steve-O. I don't uh, – I'm right here. You see, like, the little crest oh, right there? there? There's are. me. Yeah. All right. Blocked out. Um, so what happened was, like, that's my cousin. Mm-hmm. This kid was a stud. Cousin, friend, like this is my cousin right now. Still has a New York State record for most goals ever scored. No kidding. Um, yep. Like it was funny. Um, so what happened was, yeah, same kid. I'm just like it's nostalgia too. I'm looking and like again. I know. Oh like, yeah. All like these you go kids, down the like, rabbit hole and you're like, oh yeah. my god. Like, like we start seeing game. photos. I'm like this. these are all like ex teammates. Uh, so what happened was when uh, we look at this, when I look at these teams and stuff. So this is when we won state championship. So mm-hmm. we. Um, so the cool thing was, okay, we won the state championship, played soccer, although probably like you. We just grew up, wall ball, yeah, throw some shoes down, out. 3v3 yeah. in the backyard. Like we just did all that stuff. That's and it. it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I graduated. I One year, I was in college. My uh, coach that at the time called me up randomly. I'm like, what's, what's he calling? Like, it's weird. Yeah. And I'm a year removed. He's like, hey, Galen, blah, blah, blah. Like I'd really like for you to come coach. And at the time, you know, I was 19. I was like, Oh, because I, I mean, a lot of admiration for this guy. Like, you know, I still do. I mean, he's a fantastic. He was like yeah. I said, on the podcast, but I have the utmost respect for this guy. And uh, as, as do, I think, pretty much anybody that's mm-hmm. met him. Um, and I remember getting that call. And again, as a 19-year-old, getting something from an older individual at this time and someone you look up to, I was like, right. oh, shit. Like, yeah. I just remember like, uh, yeah, like, I absolutely. Right. And I remember coaching, same thing as you. I was 19 years old. The kids that were seniors on the team at this point in time were kids I had played with. You, they were and on your team the actually, year before. Like, the senior, junior, and 
sophomore, the youngest kid was a sophomore at the time, who was in eighth grade when I played, were all on the team. So these yeah. were ex-teammates of mine. Now I was considered... That's exactly it. I was and assistant like coach. like three was, months removed. Correct. Like, I was an assistant like... coach. And there was a little bit of um, a learning curve, but it was out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I didn't love soccer and didn't like playing soccer and stuff, but I was like, it was just... It was just different. It was like nerve wracking. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Like, now I'm the coach. And I'm like, mm-hmm. first day of practice. I'm like, oh. and I, all, all I remember is the coach at the time, literally, we sat, in the, sat down in the office for um, our first practice together. Yeah. And I still remember he said, listen, he goes, only thing I need you to do, I trust you. I'm like, you're a good kid, blah, blah, blah. I just need you to support whatever I do. And I was like, okay. Okay. Not, and not, like, like, a di- not yeah. like a dictator, no, I, but I, just I in a sense yeah. of like, like that's the Coach, right call. Coaching that's style. Right like I just yeah. need you to back me up. Like yeah. even if I make the wrong decision, I just need you to back me up. Yeah, that don't challenge him. Yeah. Correct. Makes sense. And I was like, absolutely, because yeah, not like you're like okay, okay, okay Coach, I got you. We won the state championship a couple years before. <laughs> exactly. Like he's like still very you know important. Yeah, and I, obviously yeah, utmost yeah. respect. So he tells me that I'm going to practice, whatever, and I have some guys on the team, and like you kind of grow. And I and what I found was especially like this kid right here. He's he's actually a local kid still. Uh, which one? This guy right here. He actually has my old number. He was this a guy. kid. This, uh, well, right, uh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. So he yeah. has my old okay. number. I, I'll tell you after who he is. All right. But he was one of these kids. Fantastic soccer player. Went off to play college soccer. Yeah. Great kid. Um, honestly, was a prick when he was younger. Grew into it. Shocking. And I would say some kids right now probably still don't like him because, like, if you play like soccer with them and stuff, but uh, but it's not because he's a bad. Kid. He's a great kid. He's just like a competitive guy. He's like mm-hmm. understandable, which made him. They like to pull people up, and some. Well, people and he's also don't one of those like guys like he's happens. competitive. Like yeah. if you're playing against him, you don't yeah. want to play against He'd him. He'd call you on, out on it. But if he's on your team, yeah. you want him on your team. Right. Great. But he'll guy. call you out if you screw something up. Yes, absolutely love like, this. Dude, kid. you should cross. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, no, and again, absolutely love this kid. Competitive to the heart and. What was funny was he was one of the kids. I remember, our, you know, the head coach telling me this yeah, yeah. is like first practice. Some kids will tell you stuff they won't tell me mm-hmm. because they don't want to tell me, but they'll tell you. Right. This kid will like exemplify it. He would come up to me and like literally be like, "Fuck, coach, f this, blah blah blah." And yeah. I'm like, "Okay, okay." And like, I was good enough to read it, and I was like, "Okay," and I'm like, and I let him vent, which was good. He had to get it off his chest, of course. Yeah. And then like some of the stuff I tell the coach, some not. I'd probably tell him like sixty, seventy percent of the oh, stuff. Oh yeah, you were. But I may be like. Hey, so and so, just kind of like, whatever. And he's like, okay, and, and it was good. He was just like, okay, good. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted, he wanted that because it was good because it's long, you know, it's a long season. And of kids, course, yeah. And we were a high level team at the time. Like we were expected. Right. Well, you're coming off a state championship. Like, and, and what's expected? Yeah. Theater. And, and the, the thing is, too, when I started coaching, these guys lost very bad in the state championship the year before. Like yeah. we were up like a lot, and like they came, the other team came back and won. It was. So these kids kind of had like a sour taste in their mouth. And we're like, screw that. We're going to win this year. Right. And we did. We won the – so I, I coached – assistant coached two years. We won two, ta- two state championships as when I was assistant. Back to back. Correct. There you go. And then I remember our assistant – or our JV coach at the time, who mm-hmm. actually was an ex-teammate of mine, great, great guy, ended up like leaving. Just was moving out of the area. Had yeah. to give it up. And I remember our head coach being like, hey, listen, like – I want you to take the head coaching job of the hmm. JV team. So taking like a level down, but taking a step up in position. Exactly. And I was like, uh, one, I was like, I'll pretty much do whatever you want me to do. Because at the end of the day, it's like the good of the program. And he was obviously, right. he was by far, it still is, like upper echelon okay. coach. And, and um, I just remember him saying that. And I was like, uh, yeah. And in my head, I was like, oh my God, I can't lead a team. 
Because if an assistant coach is different, because you lean on him, you support the head coach. Right. Head coach now, you're like, you're calling the shots. And even though it's JV, yeah. you're still calling the shots. So I was like, he's like, you'll be fine. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And I did that for six years. And it was great. I loved yeah. it. Absolutely loved it. And for I, six that, years? No yeah. kidding. And when we ended up, I, I was co- I right. coached for eight years. So when I ended up. All right, all right. I know, it's like total background. So. Yeah. Um, but when I ended up finishing, um, I would go up and like help the varsity. So we like went to mm-hmm. the final four every year. My one year we didn't. We went to the final four every year. Like we went late into well, the that's season. It. JV wraps up. You go up and correct. And you go up and a couple, maybe varsity. one or two of my best players would go up to varsity. Yeah. But all the guys were ex players of mine that were on varsity. Exactly. And gave another sounding board for the coach and yeah. the assistant coach. And coaches. you're grooming all the people going to varsity. And that was my goal. I didn't care about that's winning. It. I said. I mean, I did. I wanted to teach kids Everybody winning. Everybody wants to win. But I'm like, listen, I'm going to I'm gonna develop you because I know our goal is Confidence and skill. Correct. That's yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it was just a really fun time. But like you said, like you're coaching kids that you yeah. were your peers and teammates. And, mm-hmm. and now these guys are like, I mean, all the guys I coached, the last year I coached was 2016. No kidding. Yeah. And then we got married in 2017. So I took the year off prior Fair. just because I wanted like some time off. My wife actually coached too. My wife is a really good soccer player, way better athlete okay. than me. Um, but like I said, so like I have memories of of these times, which is funny. So these are all, I I know God. I, I'm gonna find something, but um, <laughs> send it. But uh, yeah, it was just fun. But like soccer's you know important to us back then, and yeah, as obviously. Oh, here I am. Look at this. I mean, you've been there. Oh, this might have been right no, after. Look, 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 okay, look. I think this is right after. <laughs> All right. I think it's probably the only time I made the paper because I was I played. Um, I was a back, so like I didn't. Oh yeah, no, I played left back. It was right my back. entire varsity career. Yep, right yeah, back. Yeah. So like I and, and the thing is like with with the back positions, yeah. it takes a special person to play back there because you oh, don't yeah. care. Like and and I think anybody that plays defense, me, I was right back, left back. Um, our center back was this kid, right here. All right. Who's been on the podcast before? Okay. Uh, which is funny. Small town. Cousin. 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 All right. And it's just like, just a fun like. When you look back at some. This kid was amazing. Yeah. And my cousin obviously was amazing. But you look at these guys that, and then you kind of do the whole thing. Like this guy right here. These two players yeah. played with me, and that was a kid I just showed you. Obviously, it's like a little mm-hmm. kid, younger guy, probably freshman, sophomore at the time. Yeah. But all these guys now are like they're like probably. 30 years old. Oh, yeah. Um, but just Probably. like... Probably. Weren't you guys in the same grade? <laughs> well, no, no. I, so sorry, sorry I'm 33. That. He's 31. He's oh, probably yeah, like okay. 28. He's probably fair, 30. Fair. 30 fair. Maybe. Actually, he's probably 28. He's probably like 29. I gotcha. But I'm just saying like at the time, it was just, um, you know, different. Yeah. You know, they're a little bit younger than me, but... I will tell you, it's, it's sticking out to me right now because our team, so Montpelier mm-hmm. Varsity... In your varsity, Shazy. Oh. Same jerseys. Really? Same home, same, same, no, same colors. That's me. What That's a stud. Me, by the way. What a stud. Oh, killer. What a stud. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're probably going to want to. Let me soccer. I'm out MHS soccer. soccer. Uh, you might not get just me. Actually, honestly, if you look up me, you'll probably get more of my sister than me. Um, uh, MHS was Montpelier High School. Would have been two thousand. Actually, what's this? MHS, MHS. Park of Soccer. Uh, it's wild. It's like there's only like thirty photos. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So is, is this Montpelier right here? Mm, no. Oh God, no. Oh my God. So this is like. No, you would have to look up Montpelier 
Probably not even me. Any of these? Varga? Montpelier? Is that your sister? No. Varga, though. I'm assuming that's your sister. It is. That's Montpelier. Uh, my sister's not in that picture. That's not my sister. My sister also set a record. That's my uncle. I'll tell you, that guy's my uncle. <laughs> he's six foot six. Don't want him really? Him. Yeah, he's massive. Got it. He doesn't look big. It's my uncle and my mom's twin sister. Six is that six your sister? Uh, no. No, my, my sister looks just like me, but a little bit shorter. That's and funny. And way better at soccer. Did she go play uh, uh, college oh, at all? Oh, you know what? Is she She's not in this picture. No. Did she play college soccer? No, she chose not to. My sister went really? to Juniata. Where? Uh, Juniata. It's okay. down in uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Pennsylvania? So, yeah. Uh, she chose not to play soccer. Uh, because she wanted to focus on her studies. She was she made varsity as a freshman. She was Vermont All State for three years. Okay. Like she was a powerhouse. What'd she play? She was a striker. Well, what and you said you were left back? Uh I played left back varsity because we had no defense. My primary position when I'm in shape is center midfield. Attacking okay. center mid. So when you were a kid, did you play center mid? I played center mid all the way up to my junior high school. You know, you know what's funny was, uh, and actually, I played attacking left back. That was my position. So I just you just ran. Yeah, so you Roberto were... Carlos all day. <laughs> great, great player. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the funny thing was like all the way up until like junior high, I played striker. Okay, and I was like decent at striker. Mm-hmm. But then we got to the point where it was like, we need to fill positions. So I exactly. got bumped back yeah. um, to defense just to fill. And they're like, I think, and it wasn't because of like knowing the position. I think there was just like, we just trust you. Like, or, so one you thing know I, what to do. One thing I had in sports, I would say if you had to take, I was way more of a knowledge person in sports than it was skill. Okay. I'm not a very skilled person athlete like i'm short i don't run fast i i could run decently fast back then i can't jump tall i'm like i'm not a big guy i wasn't super strong i was a buck 50 soaking Mm -hmm. wet when i graduated um i understood the game very well i understood Mm -hmm. tactfully like a positioning you know strategy everything like that right so i was able to basically outthink better skilled players to play and at the time i feel like i got kind of put into position because coaches were like this guy can think not not because I was skilled. I, was, I mean, I was, I was well, you, adequate. You saw the field. I was right? adequate, you didn't but see I could the play. You saw the field. Correct. I could position yeah, I gotcha. myself where like this other guy won't understand where to be, but you understand where to be. You may not right. be as fast or as skilled or as aggressive, but you know where to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of leaned into that, which helped me with coaching because like coaching is all mental. Right. I don't have to physically kick a soccer ball. I can just tell you what to do. Exactly. Um. So I was very similar to that. I like that. So but, and that's the way to be. That's that's why I was like playing midfield. Like I even playing midfield, I scored. I would score like three goals, maybe two or three goals a season. Is this who I think it is? Debrium, uh, Kurt Moser. Debrium. Oh no, no, never mind. Scratch that. Nah. Looks like a guy I know very well. So this is. Look at you. So what that's our. Uh, that's our company website. Is it? Is this the yes, local sir. team or is this? Overall? So this is our commercial team across the company. Across Glens Falls National. So you know all, I mean, in theory, obviously, uh, Caitlin, because... Oh, local, yeah. But I mean, like, I'll, I'll you know, point out to you. So Kurt's our um, uh, corporate is, head. Is he down in Glens Falls? Yes. Okay. So Kurt is awesome. Just yep. like a wealth of knowledge, right? Yep. Um, Caitlin, obviously, you know. Yep. 
Connor came on, I think right before I had left for deployment. Caitlin and I missed each other by a weekend. So I left for deployment on a Friday. She started on the following Monday. Wow, okay. It's small world, right? Yep. Um, Dave Riyamaki, just brilliant, brilliant guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy uh, doesn't really know much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and He's good looking, but doesn't know a whole yeah. lot. His name's then, uh, A. Varga. Yep. A. Mole. <laughs> and uh, Craig is actually mine and Caitlin's direct uh, report. So Craig runs our team along with myself, Caitlin, and actually Mark and Connor down in Glens Falls. Um, and Ke- uh, Craig actually came through here, uh, Plattsburgh State. The name sounds familiar. Did he work up here at one point? Or just oh, yeah. Plattsburgh? Yeah, yeah. So I was gonna there, say, he- there was like a leeway between me starting and the previous London leaving where Craig was just covering the area. Gotcha. His name yeah. looks familiar. I, I don't recognize the face, but the name sounds yeah. familiar. I know I've seen yeah. that. No, Craig. Craig's a great, great dude. And then, uh, and then some other guys here. Uh, yep. So uh, Mark just got uh, Mark Yersha just got promoted, and Ian is just a wealth of knowledge. Are I've th- leaned on him quite a few times to be like, I don't know what to do. He's like, Don't do that. How many people are in commercial in Plattsburgh? Sorry, just you so and Kate for the Plattsburgh, most part. So we actually we have an analyst that works up here now as well, underwriter, okay. uh, and he was the former. Uh, branch manager of Durkee, Brian Gidman. Brian Gidman. No. Gidman. Gidman. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I know him. Oh, he's a great dude. Brilliant. Okay. Accounting background. Um, I think he's in a. I think he's in a great position for himself. He's got a. He's got a lot of potential. He's very smart. Okay. And I'm very. Was he happy with Glens Falls originally? Did he switch he was. over? So okay. he was managing the Durkee Street branch. Okay. Yep. So he stayed at Durkee Street. So we all work out of Durkee Street yeah. and the commercial team Yep, as our like head office, mm-hmm. but we technically cover all the branches. But yeah, so he got to stay local and nice. he's getting trained up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's doing a great job. I think he's a wonderful addition. We've all been, uh, at least Kate and I have been pushing for him to come along for a while. How, uh, how long have you been in commercial real estate now? Was it 19 when you came? When we first met, were you in commercial real estate? Uh, so I got into commercial banking. Yeah, so commercial banking. lending then. Okay. Yeah. Um, I say I sort of banking, not real yeah. estate. And, and no, no. You, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. Primarily, I mean, what we a lot of the stuff we do up here is you can tell what I have real on my estate, right? Yes, real estate. Yes. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but you do it with like starting businesses too. Where it doesn't actually have to be like a so physical yes property. and no. Right. Okay. Yes and no. We I sit in a capacity where I can kind of assist and guide, mm-hmm. right? But we don't. We generally don't help with like creating business plans or strategy or anything like that. Like I could tell you, like based on your financial, you know, picture and where you are at now, I can recommend you where your next step should be. But mostly, it's like, hey, you should go to like the ADC. Like they will help you develop your business plan. They'll help you fix your credit or build up your credit, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then once you have established that and you have a track history, come back to the bank because the bank likes to see historical financials prove to me that you're worthy of credit that you can do it right Mm -hmm. and if you show me that you can do it sweet numbers are numbers like in the commercial world it's very gray right but ultimately it as any finance thing numbers numbers are the final end game obviously accounting background too right well yeah but still like yeah if it makes sense, it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, it just doesn't work. If X can't support Y, then it doesn't work. So when you 
and again, I, this is more, and I've had this conversation with Kate before, but I'm curious to hear your, uh, you know, perspective on this. So I, I have done commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. I would say 95 to 98% of my business is residential. Like, okay. you know, I do a couple, you know, I'll probably do one or two deals a year that are commercial. Yeah. So I, I deal a lot. And again, this is the, this is, um, the lens I have to put on when I deal with say sellers or buyers. There is an emotional component. There's a money component for sure, but of there's course. an emotional component. Yeah. So we have to look at, okay, two things. We're talking about your house. We're talking about your personal financing. Mm-hmm. We're putting that all together on purchasing. So we're talking basically a couple, um, I don't want to say taboo subjects, but subjects that people typically are like, taboo. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's just fair. stuff that like I wouldn't normally discuss my finances with people or my housing or whatever. Right. Like my best friends, whatever. But like, you know what I mean? In the general mm-hmm. public. And yeah. so you get this level of, um, there's definitely an emotional component to it. So a lot of it is managing expectations, but it's managing, um, you know, emotions. And a lot of, like, again, I speak a lot of numbers. I like numbers. I was, you know, I like math when I was a kid. Right. Um, there is a, a money component. I feel like one of my skill sets that I really try to polish is how can I translate money to emotion and vice versa? Because I, because in residential, and this is what's tough because, and this is why I was talking to Kate about, like commercial is like spreadsheets, data, numbers. And I'm sure there's some emotional component to it because some people oh, are going to be starting a business and yeah. things, but I think there's some, if it's investors and things like that, they're like, what's the dollars? The, the cash flow, the numbers, everything's got to make sense, ratios, whatever exactly. that might be. When I'm dealing with a property, money is a big component. There's also like, why are you selling? What's your goal? What's your thing? And you guys, there's probably overlap, but I've had flat out, I've gone to a listing appointment and I'm speaking, I remember one vividly. <laughs> I was speaking to the wife okay, and she's like, hey, can you come over and meet the house? Like, great, go through, look at the house. Her husband was on there. I was mm-hmm. like, well, it was fine. You know, I'm not, there's plenty of times I meet just with one spouse. So we sat down and I'm going through. The first question I always ask clients is like, okay, why are we selling? What's the goal here? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? Exactly. People don't just sell because I woke up and like, eh, I should sell. There's always a life component. And her words verbatim were, my husband doesn't know it yet, but we're getting a divorce. I was like, fun. Oh, okay. And, and I was like, okay. So, yeah. So divorce or splitting up, separating, right. whatever it might be. That's why they're selling. So like, I know their goal. Mm-hmm. And, that was obviously an extreme example, but I've had people flat out where you're in a meeting and you're talking about listing and they're break I mean, literally breaking down in tears, crying. Yeah. Health issues, money issues, relationship issues, you name it. And you're sitting there and you're like, Oh, okay. And and I'm I'm better equipped to deal with it now than I was twelve, thirteen years ago. Right. And, and now granted, I, I won't sugarcoat it. Twelve, thirteen years ago, I wasn't having these conversations purely because of like I was 21, 22, 23. Exactly. Like I was a little kid. Like people weren't yeah. like listing a lot of property with me. Fair. But now it's like, okay, I'm in a position where like you hear this and really there's not a lot people can tell me that mm-hmm. I haven't heard before. And it's like, okay, good. And I, I try to separate, you obviously empathize. empathize. I'm a human. I, I have re, like I have emotions just like the mm-hmm. person across from me, but I also have to put on the lens of like, okay, I got to be a little bit of like objective here. And right. be like, okay, hear the information. Let me get rid of the emotional component and really like almost think clearly for you to do your job. Like do help you out. Like right. be emotional. I, we're human. Have it. I have to separate that. Empathize but separate it to make sure that I'm not emotionally charged in my job. Where I find 
the commercial dealings I've dealt with are more like, okay, like, uh, makes sense, doesn't make sense. And I find those are really almost no emotion involved. I have dealt with it before if it's someone opening up a business for them. Mm-hmm. So two things, this happened, two of these, I'll give you an example because they both happened last year. One of them, purely investment. Okay. Yeah. Dollars and cents. There was no motion. Fair. It was very easy. Right. And I could I could communicate with them like numbers don't make sense. Totally get it. We're not emotionally charged. It's like mm-hmm. just spreadsheet doesn't matter. Whatever. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Another person was they're opening their business in this place. It is like their lifeblood, their baby, like their 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 extra child. Right. And there was an emotional component to it because it was how they made a living. Mm-hmm. So there was both of them. Um I guess to speak to that, when you talk to someone, like what level is that and which level is like pull the spreadsheet and let's crunch numbers? Yeah. So I really like this question. I am going to ask you, do you mind if I use the bathroom before I answer it? Absolutely. I have a child's bladder and well, it is do this. fighting me. So so I've had to do this only a couple times ever. Okay. No, no, it's fine. No, it's fine. I actually have a bathroom too. So we're going to pause and we'll start back up when we come back. Okay. We'll be good. Take a break. Roll. No, you're good. Uh, uh, we're, oh, go we're, ahead. We're back. We're back. <laughs> um, I was going to just lead us right in. Um, thank you, folks. We actually feel, bladders feel better. But no clue where we were at. Um, but. Oh, we're discussing emotional uh, response or investment between residential Red, and commercial. Yes, go ahead. Yep. So it's interesting when you bring it up, right? Because like you said, it when it's somebody's baby, right? Of course, they're going to be invested in it, right? And then you're looking at an investment property where it's pure investment. Like, hey. This is a fourplex I just want to buy and rent. Like, I'm not invested in it. It's going to make money. Here's how much money it's going to make. Here's what my expense is going to be. Cash flow. It works, right? But then you have other people that are like, hey, like, I've owned this restaurant for like 15 years. Or you have other people that are like, hey, this business has been my family for like 75 years, right? And to me, like, the one of the biggest things I've learned in finance is, is relationship building, right? Like you're building a relationship. You're going to get out of it what you put in it. Like you can't, it can't be one-sided. So you end up developing like this in-depth relationship. You learn so much about your clients or your borrowers, customers, whatever you want to call them, right? And you invest yourself in them and you, it helps. And it can be, sometimes it can be a deterrent, right? When something is not as pretty as it, wants to be mm-hmm. it's hard because you're like but i know this place like i know this place and i can speak for it like i know they're going to be fine like this is just an off year or an off three years or whatever it may be but so there's there is emotional investment and it's up to you like it's up to you as the lender of how much you want to invest yourself like i'm pretty much an open book in terms of i'm not going to go out and be like blah like here's all the information about me right but if you want to have a conversation, if you want to get down, like if you want to just have like a bare minimum, let's talk about the lily pad. Like we'll talk about the lily pad. If you want to talk about what's at the bottom of the pond, we can talk about that too. Whatever you're going to give me or want to know, I will give that back. Right. So there is emotional investment and it's harder in the beginning, right? Cause you're, you're learning. Mm-hmm. You're feeling it out and you're going based on historicals and performance and you have to you have to look at the numbers no matter how good something looks and how much you want it to work if it doesn't work it doesn't work right but you have a relationship that you've had with a customer for 10 15 years right and if they start seeing hard times it's really hard to check that emotion but it also it'll help you 
right? Because you you still have a say as an individual lender. You still have a say of being like, yeah, maybe the numbers aren't right now where we want them to be, but here's the history. Here's what they're doing. Here's what these people do. Like these are the type of people that won't pay themselves and they will invest it back if they need to. So be it. So there there is a, there's a divide and it's all it's all unique and it's all project based, right? It's all circumstantial. And that's what I really enjoy about the commercial world in general. Like there's a lot of things that are similar, but no two things are ever the same. Like and it's it's nice to not have to say hey this fits in this box this fits in this box or it doesn't fit right we have basically our our like um oh god what's it called the the sand garden you know what i'm talking about like you got your giant sand pit and you can groom it however you want right (laughs) okay right uh, there's a word for it and i can't remember for the life of me but it's it's like a zen garden okay maybe maybe that's not the right one anyway so Instead of where like residential banking or consumer banking is, here is your, like here's your toy, right? The triangle goes in the triangle, the square goes in the square, the circle goes in the circle. The commercial world is like the sandpit, where it's like everything that's in here is in here, like it fits in here, it makes sense, but it's kind of up to you how you're going to shape it. Right, so there's a lot more wiggle, more nuances, and more exactly. Yeah. There's a lot. You're allowed to be more creative, more customizable. Right, mm-hmm. you can look at it and say, you know, there's what? more gray area. Exactly. Maybe yeah. the triangle is a pyramid. Like mm-hmm. Maybe it's three dimensional, and not just right. So it's it's interesting. You get to learn a lot, and you have to. You really have to invest yourself in your clients to be successful at it. How? Uh... So. I'm going to go like residential, more residential view. Yeah. If someone lends someone residentially, mm-hmm. you basically, it's like, do the numbers work? Do you, based on numbers, do you, do we think you're a good borrower right. based on numbers? Does commercial look at, they obviously look at that. Is there portions of commercial lending that you look at maybe the person and the track record of the person? Maybe that goes, maybe that coincides yes. with the money. But is there some gray area where you're like, you don't hit all the numbers, but you have enough of validation, whether it's social validation, whether it's past history validation, where you're like, you know what, we're going to take a chance on you because we think that even though you're a few points short of what we want is perfect, mm-hmm. you're still like, we're willing to take that like risk with a couple extra, like I said, that little bit of a gap. Yeah. Yep. So the- Great question again. Um, so we look at a global picture, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll look at everything, personal, corporate, whatever it may be. We combine all those financials together and we we'll say, hey, maybe the person's not doing well, but the corporation is doing great or the company. Together, this is where they look at versus what their debt is. In addition to that, you're going to take a look at like, you know, character. You take a look at community involvement. Community impact is massive. It's massive. And especially with, you know, places like our area, like it may not be the strongest business around, but it has such a massive impact and so much involvement on the community that you're like, how, how do you say no to that? Like, how do you not try to come up with a way to help, right? Mm-hmm. Or to help them create more, right? So it's it's an interesting question, right? So we look at, 
a, a full picture. And my understanding of residential, and not to knock it by any means, but I know that it basically comes down to debt to income, right? DTI Most ratio. Part. Yes, yeah, right. Exactly, yep. and that's yep. that's it. Where we can we can really kind of pull everything in like. So I'll give you an example. I was working on a deal where the borrower was working on developing uh, like a new apartment complex. Okay. Like almost like a townhouse complex, right? And we needed to come up with some extra equity. So we had looked at possibly pulling equity from a... Oh, sorry, I'm having glasses juicing all over the place here. <laughs> um, so we had looked at pulling equity from one of his other properties, right? Obviously, successful property owner, um, uh, landlord, mm-hmm. right? But not with us. So it was a first-time borrower for me. And if he's listening to this, he, he can attest that this was a year-long project to get it from start to finish, but we got there. And uh, so it came down to residential got involved. And it was interesting because they, when they were calculating the numbers, they couldn't look at the pro forma income, but they have to consider the pro forma debt. So not only did they take a look at a snapshot now, they had to include the new debt that would come from the new deal, but they couldn't include the income. <laughs> so it's to me that made zero sense. Like it was, it was crazy. Like how do you look at debt but not income, right? Because which one's guaranteed? Mm-hmm. When the deal's done, the debt's guaranteed. The income is variable. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. So I don't know. It's 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 interesting. It's I learn something new every time I do a deal. And sometimes I don't like what I learn. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think also like commercial too. Like I, I would say what you just said is accurate. Like residential, yeah. there's more cut and dry. This is how we do it. Like right. you qualify, you don't qualify. There's not exactly. a lot of gray areas like Fisher credit, debt to income, you right. know, whatever. I do find that at least through experience when I've dealt with commercial uh, sales, it's like there's always – there's moving parts. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like um, – variables nuances things that aren't black and white things that may not currently be um fact and maybe worth on trending or worth on future right potential whatever exactly. so um there is a level of variability which sometimes in uh, residential i wish they looked at that because i'm like oh god this deal could go through and this person has a very different situation but it's not a situation that they're like not qualified but it could be you know, whatever their their histories like is a big check mark to say no. Right. But the reason that check mark happened is reason why I almost would lend to them. You know, and it, I know yeah. it's like that's very vague. But if you dove no, into the nuances, I, I I'm sure mean. I could yeah, pull yeah. stuff out. Exactly. So I always look at it gets difficult depending on the person. Most of the people that would have that variable kind of income are typically business owners, mm-hmm. typically independent contractors, people right. that have a little bit more. Um, like I file when I do my taxes, it's more involved than someone with just straight up W two. Here's my stuff; it's already been taken out. Go right. You know, I own I own business. I like I have you know I just have other assets and stuff that I have to right, pull from. Exactly. And there's more like P and Ls and stuff with those. So mm-hmm. um, I hate tax time because it's not that I hate. I mean, like every American, you hate paying taxes, but it's part of it. Part of part of the gig of being right. American, exactly. pay taxes. But it's more of just like the prep work. I'm like, oh, I gotta get like I gotta get all my ducks in a row. I have it all. It's just like organizing it to present it. Like that's exactly. It's more of like 
an inconvenience than the fact that I actually have to do it. It's just more of like, oh, just a lot of steps. I was going to just hit a button and it was done. Um, True. But I find that either case, that is like where I, you know, commercial real estate, I find there's like a little bit of flex, I say flexibility, but there's like, you know, like I said, there's well, a little, that's it. There's, there's a more lot gray. of gray area. Yeah. yeah exactly. And uh, it does take longer for commercial typically. It does. So like I said, your relationships, my relationship, I could hypothetically, the fastest I probably had is someone calls me up, case in point, I have a deal right now, it's a cash sale. Buyer calls me up, had a property listed, they want to make a cash offer, show them the property, we're probably going to close in 30 days. I probably bet I will be in contact with this person for 30, or let's say 40 days. Yeah. Very short. Um, there's some people, years, between following up, showing them homes, taking a break, come right. back two years later, blah, blah, blah. Like sometimes, I, the longest I've had is about 10 years from the first contact to the sale. No First kidding. sale. Yep. And uh, uh, also no. goes for anybody that's in <laughs> business not to stop following up with people, because that did happen. But, I mean, that didn't happen. I mean, I did, it, that it accomplished the sale. Yeah. Uh, most people would give up on this person. It was like the little amount it took to follow up every year, phone call here and there. That's it. It made sense. But That's exactly it. Um, so then you kind of look at that as like our timeline could be, you know, I'd say most people it's probably anywhere from six months to two years for right. re- residential. Uh, but when the deal actually happens from the time they get qualified to the time they purchase and close, you know, it could be long if they if they mm-hmm. choose to make it long. But realistically, right. you're probably talking under six months. Oh, yeah. Where your line of business, like if you get a deal under contract, like both my commercial deals were f- approaching three, four, five, six months. Yeah. And it wasn't like a bad thing. It was just like this is how it is. I got to ask questions and answers and need certain right. amount of data and whatever. So all of, all of the commercial deals I've been a part of typically take longer to close in residential. Right. Um, but not, not for any bad reason. It's just the way it is. So it's the underwriting process, right? Like we, on the commercial yeah. side, we require a lot of information. Yeah. But it's generally because it's a larger amount mm-hmm. of dollars, right, that are going up. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? So we have to look at historical financials. We have to look at pro forma. We have to look at the individuals, depending on how many individuals there are. How, well, how many of – so I'm just going to – there's two coins. There's two th- oh, yeah, coins no, of this. How many eligible – like let's say people applying for a loan mm-hmm. how many of those people are very very organized financially mm-hmm. and how many of them are absolute shit shows percentage wise organized is disorganized to an extent right with an accepted variance i'd say 70 30 organized okay to that's, an extent. that's better than i thought to an extent okay that's responsive good. is a different question i would say that yeah that's another example yeah <laughs> they can be very organized and not responsive at all mm-hmm. so you could have to ping somebody five six times and be like hey i need this one thing and that could be weeks mm-hmm. weeks on end of asking for one piece of information like one personal financial statement i i can't i relate to that. that the reason i relate to that is because like in my world there's a it feels like a million things going on yeah and kind of like anybody else i am more apt to do if you told me you needed something, I'm more apt to do it for you than I am for me. And I think that's human nature. Right. I mean, if like I need a document from you, Galen, to do something for you, Galen, mm-hmm. I'm like, I know, but it's fine. If you give it to you next week or two weeks, yeah, three I'll weeks, get I'm to fine. It. But if exactly. if you're like, hey man, I need, can you give me this answer like today? Right. I'm like, yeah, I will. Yeah. And and I think that's where that maybe that comes from is I think most people because they they have their own timeline. Your right. timeline is like you told me you wanted to get the deal done. I'm working to get that deal done for you. Well, exactly. And it falls on the actual client, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm kind of good." 
But the, so yeah, so when you think about it, that's really what it is. Like, and I'll I'll always set the bar. I'll say I, the process is going to take as long as it's going to take you to get me the information that I need. Like I'm on your time frame. Mm-hmm. If you, we can't get it done tomorrow, right? There's realism, and then there's let's get it done, right? But if I got to ask you six times to send me one tax return that you know I'm waiting for, or whatever it may be, like that's on you. Like, and it also shows like the seriousness of, of the person that you're working with, right? Mm-hmm. And not to, you know, not to poop on anybody in any in any which way, but if you're really eager to get this done, like, it's, I'm not asking for a lot. You have this information. You should have your tax returns yeah. <laughs> available to you <laughs> that you could just email me. I will come to your house and pick them up. That's an option, but it shouldn't take three weeks it, or do, however. I mean, do you find in, like... Like, I'm guilty of this. Like, there's a bunch of things right now that I know I should get done mm-hmm. that maybe someone needs or whatever. And if someone was like, why is it taking you so long? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I could probably accomplish what you need within an hour. Right. But my brain, this is how I've, I'm slowly training myself to think. Training myself to think is mm-hmm. that if I have a, a big list of things I need to get done, right. I prioritize it. Exactly. And I prioritize it, one, because of running a business that consumes my day, three kids that consume my life, obviously my wife and my kids, a family. And then it's like, those are my two main things. So like a lot of stuff falls to the wayside, which I'm like, I know it's important, Mm -hmm. whether it's house projects, whether, I mean, even stuff for my apartment, like there's a million things. Like I know I could go do that right now and drop everything and do it. But like priority wise, it is not high on my list of priorities because the deadline's not massive and whatever that might be. Right. I fall in that trap. I don't know if I'm sure that's speaking. I'm guessing knowing a lot of people that own businesses, that's probably the way that it works too, is that right. it's not as urgent to them as it might be. Um, and I feel that too, with like selling real estate, like I'm like, Hey man, you said you wanted to do that. Like, let's do it. And they're like, yeah, give me a couple of weeks. And it's just right. more because like, Hey, I got shit going on. And like, that's mm-hmm. not really top of mind right now. And I respect that, but it's like, we're also doing our job. Like, I just want to make sure that I'm not like dropping the ball on my end. Right. No. And again, that's another great question. Um, It's one of those things. It's like I said, you know, you, especially in our world, like that's why it's important to really develop that relationship with your client and your borrower. Right. Some people run 24 seven. Some people Mm -hmm. do not. Some people are seasonal. Some people are only like their peak seasons dead of winter. Their peak season is tax season. Like, there's no way I'm getting a CPA to do anything for me between February and end of May. Correct. Right. There's yep. no way. Yep. Right. There's no way that I can get somebody that's running a seasonal camp to drop what they're doing. Like you're making your entire annual income in th- three, four months, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna be like, yo, stop doing what you're doing and give me this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's that understanding. So when it comes down from higher up, you can be like, hey, this is where they are right now. Like. This is where they are in their in their cycle. Like it's gonna be hard to get right now, versus being like, "Oh, just ask them," you know, right? And then you're like, "Well, they haven't responded to me in two weeks. Like, I wonder why." What's What's your favorite thing about commercial real or commercial lending? I keep saying real estate, commercial lending. I will say it's it's the it's the customization, man. It's okay. I, I love the gray area. It's so frustrating. <laughs> it's so frustrating sometimes, but most of the time. But in a good way, in like a I have to learn kind of way, you know, like 
I got to seek out information. I got to I got to educate myself, right? Which is awesome because I'm I'm at least I like to consider myself like a lifelong learner, right? So I love to learn. So whenever I'm put in a situation where I got to learn more, I'm like, sweet, like this is a double benefit. So I think you and I are similar in that. I consider myself and like me from an outside perspective looking at you, you seem like someone that gray area is some. You seem like someone that wants to have, like, figure out a problem. You seem like yeah. a problem solver. You, you seem like someone that you want to figure out the puzzle. You're mm-hmm. like, inqui- that's what I'm saying. You're inquisitive. Like, I think you're a very smart guy, but you're also, I think you're, when I say like a intellectual level, like I think someone like you given a problem, you're going to try to figure out a solution to get to the end goal. And I find that commercial lending, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like, problem solving and i find like in my business too there's times where i'm like okay i gotta really think about this and sometimes it's not like i gotta come up with some like earth shattering example or uh um, solution sometimes it's like let me just sit quietly for a little bit and just think through all the facts and just like some are we missing something are we like too much you know me or in the dirt where we have to go more in the clouds or vice versa right where it's like let me just like pause reflect figure out a good solution and like oh yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Great, great solution. I feel yeah. like you're the guy that could come up with a solution like that. So, And that's partially why I say I love the gray area, but yeah. it drives me crazy because I'm very much a person of structure. Okay. Right? And I love to know the insides and outs of something. But I also love to dump out a puzzle and just send it. Right? Okay. So I could ask you right now, like, if when you do a puzzle, how do you do your puzzle? How do you start it? Um, just in general. Just in general, it, you got so, a 500 piece puzzle right here, and it's. Are you talking about like actual puzzle? Actual puzzle, like I, like like puzzle you put together pieces. Yeah. yeah, let's say it's a lake with a mountain background. First how thing would I you do. Start it? First thing I do. I know how I do this. First thing I do is I grab all the outsides. Okay. Always do it. I, yeah. I no matter what. I, I I I've even taught when I do it my my uh, my oldest likes puzzles. So mm-hmm. the first thing I do is I'm like, okay, we get all the edges. We're grabbing all the edges, and yep. you also know, and I, I'm kind of teaching them this. Um, this also comes from knowing how to do the Rubik's Cube, which is how I think about it. But when I do okay. the puzzle, I'm like, we're going to find all the edges because we know disproportionately that there's right. only going to probably be 10% of the puzzle that's edges. But we also know once we get the edges complete that we have now we have the dimensions. So mm-hmm. now we know the play field. We know the, we know the dimensions of the soccer field. We know the right. dimensions exactly. of the game. You've got your so, perimeter. Correct. Oh, yeah. So we have that. We also know there's only four corners. There's always only four corners. Exactly. So we're like, okay, let's get the four corners out. And typically, when you're doing a puzzle, you can see the box. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, let's get the four corners. What's that corner look like? That looks like top right, top left, whatever. Figure, figure it out. And then you start connecting, and I take the corners, and I start looking at the, um, you know, the colors, general colors. And I start to kind of put them in the colors that look like the, mm-hmm. the right or the, you know, con, uh, conjoined, whatever. Then I eventually get the whole perimeter. Right. And then once I get the perimeter, then I... I typically try to find light colors and I put them together. I won't even put things together. I will yeah. start sorting pieces. Right, piling them like, up. Yeah, like blue, light red, bright yellow, whatever that might be. And I start to put things that kind of look the same in piles. Mm-hmm. And then now I've, I, let's say it's a 500 piece puzzle. Let's say I have 100 pieces in the perimeter. I don't know, just sort numbers out there. Yeah. 100 pieces in the perimeter. I now have 80% of the pieces that are sitting there in a pile. I've broken those up into 10 different groups that have roughly about the same color. Now I know I'm only trying to figure out 40 pieces. Right. Figure out the 40 pieces, 40 pieces. Now and try to connect them. 
I don't know if that's right. That's how I do it. I try to break it down into small segments and then work my way up. So I bring it up, honestly. You and I do puzzles very, very similarly. But I've seen people do it a variety of different ways. And it's always fascinating to me. Like, I love to watch people do puzzles. Everybody's got a different way of doing it. And that's that's kind of like what I'm talking about with the gray area. Like, there's no real this is the way, this is not the way, mm-hmm. right? It's just put it together. It's- like, do it your way. Do what makes sense to you. Yes. Yeah. I well, I, th- I think it's also. Um, I heard this. I recently. I'm re- I'm in the middle of a book. It's a fascinating book. I'm. I'll read it fifty times. I, it's just one of those books that really sticks out. But, mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to look up the quote, and I can't remember what the no, quote is. Book this uh, is. Richard Feynman, um, physicist. I have a book, a couple books by him. I haven't read them yet, but a couple okay. books, and I've heard his things come up, and I don't know exactly what it is. Uh, okay, like this, whatever. I'm not going to skip that quote. One of the quotes was, don't memorize what you can look up. Yeah. So the whole the whole point of... Um, which nowadays is everything. Which is everything. <laughs> when we were kids, like, you had to memorize for the test. Exactly. But the whole idea is, like, if you can look up the answer, don't memorize it. And yeah. what I've tried to find is try to find... Find why. Find the reason. Find the principle. Find, like, the connection. Mm-hmm. This goes back to... We talked about the beginning of the podcast. Like, right. Um, learning a language. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. trying to remember how to say hello to Zdevo or whatever it was yeah, in Balkan. Yeah. There you go. And you correct me. But trying to figure that out, I'd be like, okay, hello, memorize how to spell it so I visually see the word I know that means hello. Not right. because I understand it, because I'm memorizing it. Mm-hmm. Richard Feynman, who's a, a you know world-renowned physicist, was basically said, don't memorize something you can look up. It's wasted. It, and I think it was him. Maybe it was Einstein. I don't know. It was one of the two. I think it was him. Yeah, we're, Feynman. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not to interrupt you, but we we're just listening to um, Neil deGrasse Tyson on Armchair Expert, his podcast okay. on that, which is with Dax Shepard was yeah. amazing, and he was I lo- he was I referencing it. the same thing. Okay, so so the, the whole point is basically like learn to understand, not learn to memorize. Yeah, and so what I've tried to do, um, so the book I'm reading is 150 pages. Okay. I it will probably take me three weeks to go through it, and not because it's physically three weeks long mm-hmm. it's because every page i i write i annotate i i like put notes in books like yeah. okay. but as i'm going through it's getting my brain thinking and it might take me anywhere from a minute 30 seconds to a minute to read a page to mm-hmm. 10 minutes right and the reason is because it's thought provoking uh, like underline it be like think like just like internalize it and think it and understand why what they're saying because they said it very clearly like why and i'm like Okay, I get it. I understand what he's... Okay, got it. Next page. And so I'm trying to get... Like last year I read... I'm going to talk about reading here for a sec with you. Oh, no. Send it. Last year I read... uh, My goal was to read 60 books. I came across some quote. I don't... I don't know. It's not somewhere. He said the average CEO reads 60 books a year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... And I've heard multiple things like, you know, leaders are readers. Not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. Okay. So meaning if you read, doesn't mean you lead people, but if you lead, you got to read. And the reason is right? yeah. you have infinite amount of knowledge in books because people are putting time and effort into this book and putting it on paper, and then you basically get a cheat code. That's what I look like. I look at it. Uh, yeah, like. yeah, it's a good way to look at it for sure. And I read a lot of nonfiction, so I'm not reading like stories and things like that or, or, not, or um, nonfiction or, sorry, fiction. Yeah. Um, so nonfiction is 98% of where I live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
so I try to find the connection and I try to read a lot of books. And it's not the idea that I, last year I read 60, I beat my record, I beat my goal of 60. I don't, maybe 67, 66, 65, somewhere like that. And that's impressive. Yeah. And that's I, a lot of time. Yeah, and it's uh, between audiobooks and, and physical books. Okay, but like yeah, it's a I mixture. do audiobooks a lot. Too. Yeah, like I, I mean, we moved into this office and I read eight, I listened to eight books while I did this office. Yeah, well, but it was yeah, like I'm exactly. I'm here for five do? hours painting and doing a bunch of random things. I have right. I have a book in my head or in my uh, yeah, yeah. phone playing. So my goal this year was to originally I wrote down to read sixty books, mm-hmm. and I think I put plus ten rereads. Like re going okay. to the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was. Um, I'm gonna miss the guy. I I think it was Seneca, on the the uh, I think it's Greek philosopher, um, and he said basically, like find somebody you really like and really digest their work. Don't right. read a bunch of books. Find who you really gravitate towards and really like connect with, and just really study their works. Okay. So from that. I've kind of taken that to heart. From that, I've gotten that from a couple people. There's a guy I follow, and he said that he, I think it's 20. He only rereads the same 20 books over and over again. Partly because they just they, they just resonate with him. They yeah. connect with him. It formulates his, his mindset, his business, whatever it might be. Right. He reads 20. Then I found, um, if you've never read the, I think you would like this, The Almanac by uh, Naval Ravikant. I've not. Okay. It'd be a great book. I'll pull it up for you so you can see it. But, um, let me see. Naval Ravikant. He's like a um, book. He didn't even write this book. Some guy wrote it with all his like tweets and quotes and stuff. This okay. book right here. So if you read this book, I've I listen to it. I read it. It's one that I will I will reread at some point again this year. Um, so actually, this is hold on. This is me. <laughs> Sending it. Full send. This yeah. is live on the air because you like reading, right? Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. Like what? Yeah. What do you normally read? So. You fiction or nonfiction? Guy? Nonfiction. I'm very much nonfiction. Like I yeah. like to take my mind away from the world and yes. see other worlds, right? And I've always had a vivid imagination since okay. a little kid, right? And uh, I will say I'm a massive, massive, massive Stephen King fan. I, are you Stephen King or are you like nonfiction? Like Stephen King's fiction, right? Oh, so maybe it is fiction. Maybe I'm not super familiar with terminology. I'm not gonna lie. I re uh, refigured out that I enjoy reading as an adult. Like I never read in high school. Whenever we were assigned something, never read it. Never did anything. It was school, outside soccer, skateboarding, whatever. Um. So. Yeah, I guess it is nonfiction. Is it nonfiction? Nonfiction is is I, not I get stories. It too. It's fiction stories. is make believe. Make believe. Nonfiction is like excuse me. Make believe. Hundred yeah. percent. Biography, business books, those are nonfiction. Yeah. Okay. My bad. I always get the two confused. So, fiction. Okay. Fiction. Totally different than made. Up. That's fine. Made up stories. The opposite. Yes. And I was okay. gonna say the opposite. Um. Yeah. So I. I don't. It's not that I don't enjoy them. It's just that there's. So I've been recommended. Obviously, David Goggins. Um. I was recommended. Um. Uh, the former president Barack Obama's book, mm-hmm. autobiography, um, Matthew McConaughey, Green Lights, amazing. I so I've heard, so I've heard, and I just um, I, I will say though, if you're gonna read that, listen to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna because I he, heard he, he narrates, narrates it. it himself. Yeah, it's amazing, absolutely. So I do mostly audiobooks because I do drive a lot, but mm-hmm. I do also I like to sit down and read. So while I was um, 
what when I was just on my last training, I picked up two books. One was a one was a uh, one was a fiction recommendation, and the other one was a, a Stephen King as Richard Bachman writing. Um, oh God, what the hell was it called? The Running Man. Okay. Which was wild. Okay. Right. It was great. It was way different than the Arnold movie, right? From the late late eighties, early nineties. Different book and captivating. I read that like two, three days. And that for me that's fast. But the other one I read was called uh Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, which is a more recent book and I, I honestly I couldn't even tell you I couldn't even tell you the author. That's how bad I am. Like I remember Stephen King and Christopher Moore, which is like just Stephen like, King, New Hampshire. Maine. Maine, sorry, Maine. yes. Yes. No, you're good. And then uh Christopher Moore just writes these way, way out there stories like but they're just they're very entertaining. It's like watching a movie when you read a book, right? Okay. Which to me like always movie guy. But yeah, so I got into Stephen King. I got into audiobooks. It's really what really what changed it for me. So I did all up to date Game of Thrones. I watched the series before mm-hmm. I did any of the books. The audiobooks were amazing. Um I did the entire Witcher series in books, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Yeah, I played the games, I loved the show. Right, and the show and to the books is actually very, very accurate, very good. Even the confusing timelines. I don't know if you watched The Witcher or not, but uh, yes, I watched. Uh, I didn't finish it. I watched yeah. season season so eight, episode one or two. Oh, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it got progressively worse once they deviated from the books because the books ended uh, probably about season five, maybe halfway through season six. Yes, I heard that. Yeah, and then HBO was like, you know what, we're just going to send it. And then they just, you know. But uh, the, the author was like part of, like he... he so, uh, yeah, so George R. R. Martin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wrote the books and he he was part of the directing process or whatever whatever it's called for the first like four seasons. And I think HBO was like, no, nah, we're just going to, we think we got it, right? So, okay, so I, I know this is, but there's only five so there's only five books so far. So the book series is not finished. Correct. HBO, with their series, actually decided to just finish it on their own. So they okay. came up with their own ending. And they had, what, nine seasons? They had nine seasons, I believe. And I remember okay. when this, 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 like the show finale happened, right? Actually, George R. R. Martin put out a statement, and he promised. He says, I promise you the ending to the books will not be what the ending was to the show. So what I heard was he was, again, this could be total conspiracy theory. Right. He um, was involved in the entire series. Direction. Oh, all the way to the end. I heard that. No, I don't really? know if this is true or not. Oh, I, I, I stopped watching in season eight. Yeah. I got bored. Not, I wasn't got bored of the series. I, it like, got boring. No, well, you're not wrong. No, the, pro- the problem is I don't watch a lot of series. Yeah. I really don't. I know we were kind of joking. You just started The Office. I've mm-hmm. watched The Office more times than I can count. I don't even know. 40, Fair. 50 times. Like, I mean, it's just on. Like, it's yeah. background. Um, I would much rather rewatch the entire series of The Office than start a new series. And That's the only reason is I, I have no desire to sit down and watch TV. Um, I get very scatterbrained. Like, I'm just watching it and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm on my phone. I'm researching something on my phone. Like, I just can't, I, I can't sit still and just watch something. Yeah. Um, so the office, I don't have to think. I can leave. I can go do something. Right. I can come back. I know exactly what's happening. I know the all. I know the ten minutes I missed. I know what's going on. Right. 
Um, well, because you already did that. You already invested that time in it. So correct. Like, okay. I've seen every episode. I know exactly. Like, literally, yeah. if you show me an episode, I'm like, eh, it's probably season five. Yeah. Season seven. All season, right, that's fair. Like one. I like. I, I, I mean, it's that yeah. bad that I know that much about The Office. Uh, Game of Thrones, I got to season eight, episode one or two. I only remember it was Arya going down a river, and it was like right after they found out why Hordor uh, Hodor, Hodor. was Hodor. named Hodor, Hold yeah. the Door, whatever, that whole right. thing. Um, and they were going through like a river, and it was like people that had no eyes, and they couldn't see stuff. That was the last part I saw of Game of Thrones. End of hmm. season seven, I think it was when Cersei blew up King's Landing. Spoiler, guys, get over oh, it. Yeah. It's been around Spoiler. forever. <laughs> it's been around for whatever. So, which was yeah, a yeah. great scene. So oh, Cersei yeah. blows up King's Landing. That was like the end of season seven. Season eight yep. starts. Arya's like fighting some dude, like very much like in the river, like out somewhere by herself. She, the guys had like no eyes. So this like, has got to, yeah. So this has got to be like her season eight. It was season eight. She fighting. She she was like fighting this guy with a sword. She, the guy then the guy was around, but then there was people that couldn't see. They were like blind. And then Hodor was there, and she was, like, traveling down a river. This was, like, start of season eight. And then I got to the I, point where I'm like, hmm. this, this is the problem. My wife didn't watch it. She had no oh, interest in okay. it. okay. Yeah, there we go. It's hard so, to so, that time. Right? So then it was like, okay, and this is before kids. I had no excuse not to watch okay. it. Okay. Like, okay. no excuse not to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there watching it, and I was like, and this is my mindset. I'm like, I could sit here for an hour and watch an episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. It's a good series. I, I liked it. It was cool. I'm like, or I could spend an hour of sleeping, or I could spend an hour of reading, or I could spend an hour of working, or I could right. spend an hour of doing anything else than just sitting in front of a TV. Exactly. Um, I'm not a big TV guy. I like watching certain, I'll be honest, I like watching golf. I don't really watch much sports. Yeah, I actually sure. like tennis. I'm getting big into tennis. Right. I know it's like weird, but yeah, tennis, that's... golf. Um, and then honestly, it's like the other night, you know, the kids went to bed. We were chilling. We were like, right. eh, let's put Netflix on. Yeah. I will not put on a new movie because then I feel like i got to finish it. Or I'm like, ah, I'm not going to finish it. I yeah. put on Ted. Stupid comedy. <laughs> I've seen it a million Ted. times. Yep. I'm like, I don't even care to start it. Wherever it was, I watched like 20 minutes, packed up, went to bed. Yeah. Like that's my level of watching TV. I'm like, if I've already seen it, put it on or The Office or whatever. Yeah, exactly. When you just want to de-stress, chill out. Yeah. Like I, I, I very rarely will start... I'm interested in reading the books because there's five. I know they're long, but I'm interested in like maybe listening to them, and I might. The audio books are worth it. They're just just the voice acting, the the, look, look the, the narrator. Look at the numbers on the page. 5,200 pages over five books. That means they average 1,000. Yeah. And I, I'm sure it's like mass market paperbacks, like really small writing and like thick, fat, skinny book. I, I never picked up a book. It was just all audio. Listen. Yeah. I mean, the, li- the listening must have been 30 hours. Uh, it's closer to 40 per book. Yeah, yeah give or take. I did, uh, Do you listen at one speed? One X? You know, it depends. It really depends. If I'm into it, there's some books that I'll listen to like one and a half or two. Okay. Because I just want to get through them. Okay, good. Because I'm like, this is, I just want to know how that. I'm 1.7. Yeah. Only reason is I Googled how fast to listen to or something. And they said, if you listen at 1.7, it's what you would read. Which is fine. And to me, it was always... Two gets I, a little too quick for me. I, I noticed that if voice. I speed it up, like, I enjoy it, and I'm getting the information faster. And if it's a book I've already done, and I'm re-listening to it, I can do one and a half. But if I go up to one and a half when I'm driving, the division of attention... Like, when you're sitting there reading, you're not driving a car. Correct. Right? Yeah, you're focused. Exactly. So you can, you can haul ass through that book. Yep. But 
I find that when it gets to that point, like I'm more distracted by like, wait, what? Wait, what? Like, did I hear it? What did you just say? Uh, so I, I, I just go 1.0. And it's nice too because you really kind of like, you get to feel the story. You know what's funny is when it's fast, I pay more attention to it. You'll retain it better. Well, because I'm like, it's quick, like focus on it. Exactly. But I I do, uh, I I mean, there's times where I'm like, I missed that and I'll go back. But again, I read a lot of nonfiction. So sometimes I'll hear something like, I want to hear that again. And I'll go back. Sometimes I've just like, I've stopped a book and re-listened to the full chapter. Now a chapter might be only 15, 20 minutes long, but I'll re-listen to it. Because I'm like, that was a really good chapter. Let me just re-listen because I want to retain that information. Yeah. So, sorry, keep going. No, 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 you're good. Uh, and I was going to say, when you referenced earlier, when you, you reread books, and I I do that now as well. Like I said, I just got back into like like reading, reading, and like audiobooks and everything probably five years back, right? Mm-hmm. And it actually started with It. So I, I read It. Reread. Cover yeah. to cover. Read for the first time. Or the first time because you watched the movie. I've seen them, all the movies, yep. the remakes, yada, yada, but I picked up the book. It's like 1,200 pages. This thing is massive. Like you're knocking somebody out with this thing, right? But it was insane. It was so the amount of detail was captive. It took it took me a year to read it. Right, I had brought this thing to basic training with me. I brought it to my five months of like the advanced school that I went to for IT with the military, and like I would read it on and off, on and off, and it was like it's creepy. Like it, I was fascinated by how much like reading could just spike my my mental level right or mm-hmm. shift it or change it or how much you could feel from just reading something right mm-hmm. it was amazing to me and from there on out like i started doing the audiobooks and i started reading again so i picked up like i started looking at stuff that we were reading like back in grade school like ender's game like that's got like what 12 16 books in it some crazy amount of the series and we only did ender's game they made the one movie and it's like blah 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 but that story progresses like wildly, um, and like I said, Stephen King. I just always have been fascinated. I've done. Oh God, I'm like I'm I'm on again audiobooks. I'm on book five of Dark Tower series. Okay, which is awesome, and that was written over like twenty five years, um, first to last. Yeah, so I think with. So I was saying, like, last year I was reading more for, like, hey, I want to hit a number. And this year I was like, ah, I'm going to hit that number plus more. And then I found that right now I might be at, I don't know if I'm at 20. I might be at 20 Mm -hmm. on the year. But I find that the books I'm reading are taking me longer, but I'm digesting them more. Right. And I find that, because a lot of these, again, they're nonfiction, so I'm, like, Mm -hmm. I'm learning. Yeah. Um. I'll be honest, I try to read one or two fiction books this year, and I haven't finished them. Like, I've gotten, like, halfway through, and I'm like, ah, you got to find something interesting. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of one where I'm like, ah, I want to finish it because I had good reviews, I'm mm-hmm. sure it's good. And then finally, I'm like, you know what? Honestly, it's just not catching my interest. Yeah. And um, and I tried to make a point this year to read fiction because I'm like, I just need, like, sometimes escapism. But then That's I find it. that I read them, and it's like watching TV. I'm like, I don't. I don't really actually need the escapism. Like, I, I do enjoy learning. Right. So, like, part of me is like, hey, I want a fiction book. I want a documentary. I want, like, something where I'm learning something yeah. that's that's real, not, fi- like, make-believe or fake. And not that that's bad. Um, I just, I'm not a fantasy guy. I'm not a sci-fi guy. I'm, like, I'm, like, very much reality. Like, what's real, what's, and mm-hmm. I found 
um, challenging myself. So like, obviously there's nonfiction, there's business books. I like reading philosophy. I like reading old books, new books. I like balancing it all. And what I try to find is I try to dissect everything, but I really try to find commonalities in a lot of books. So if okay. I read a lot of like, say, um, let's say high profile or high achieving, let's say authors or business people. Yeah. What I found recently is that I start on book, I read something, I get introduced to another person. Yeah. And then maybe I follow them on, maybe I go in like a deep dive on social media and I follow them on Instagram or look them up on YouTube or watch a couple of videos, whatever. And I'm like, oh, they got a book. Let me read that book. And that book references the person that references them, but also yeah. references someone else. Right. And okay. what I'm finding is that I'm really living in a tangle web of a lot of people that are referencing each other, which is not a bad yeah. thing. But then I'm like, it's almost nice because I'm like, I'm closing up the loop. So it's not like this is just going out into never, never land. Like it's just going, going, going. Right. I'm like, there yeah, went you. out and they actually referenced this person and back to this person, back to this person. And what you could find is that there's this really like spider web of just crisscrossing ideas. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, great. Here are 15 authors that are all saying the same stuff. Right. And they're all referencing roughly the same thing. And I'm like, what's the common theme? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, they all, the common theme is, x and y and z and it's like okay let's digest the the major theme not the small examples but the major overall theme again not to memorize but to to understand and i found that over the last two years that i've been really dissecting a lot of these i've understood things better um where it's gotten my mind better i've expanded my mind but it's also expanded the the mem like the the mental muscle of the brain yep and it's allowed me to think more clearly and make better decisions and i would say right now versus two years ago I am uh, mentally more understanding of certain things, and I've been able to um, become better, efficient, effective, whatever that might be in certain categories of my life, purely because of reading and thinking and trying to process more. Um, okay. And I think, and and this goes back. I meant to ask you before. Um. When you were talking about like the the drones, the UAV, was it yeah. UAVs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you're talking about UAVs and you're talking about like, okay, do we put 10,000 foot soldiers down or do we do something with like cyber? Right. And the thought behind that is, and I kind of use this in marketing and business, I could market to one person, mm-hmm. meaning I could pick up the phone, call Mel, talk to Mel. Right. And there's benefits to that. There's also benefits to marketing instead of one is marketing to many, meaning I want to leverage myself and cast a wide net to make sure I affect a lot of people with a very small input. And that's something I've really been focusing on is effectiveness and efficiency in my life to get more out of my input. So if I input X, I want to get 10X the output. And I'm trying to get really efficient, efficient in that because I want my time or my effort to compound into greater returns. Right. So... When you just said, like, do we put 10,000 foot soldiers down, which is 10,000 people, and 10,000 people is not just physically grabbing random people off the street. It's like right. training, X, Y, Z, getting yeah. them in positions that are qualified to do their job. Exactly. Or we get one person that can devastate as much as 10,000 foot soldiers. Exactly. And what you look at is then it becomes really crazy because, again, we're going to go back in time. 200, 300 years ago when you had thousands and tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people fighting a battle or a war, whatever that might be, now you could arguably do it with a single person behind a keyboard. Arguably, you could. Depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Right, but you also think about that, right? So if I come at you 
<clears throat> with a full army, mm -hmm. what's your response instantly going to be? Right? It'd probably be to bring the same army. Let's go. To, yeah. And what's your one -to -one. populace's response going to be? Nationalism. Like, we need to defend our nation. Yep. There's going to be more militia. There's going to be more people just willing to go at it, right? Mm -hmm. But I knock your power out, and you can't get it back up running. Mm -hmm. What's happening now? Now your people are like, why can't you get the power back on? Internal like, like Why can't you do it? Yeah, so you're turning, Correct. right? So that's why I say, like, when you look at the secondary and tertiary effects of something like that, mm -hmm. it's almost infinite. Like, it's just, it goes down to the core of people. Mm -hmm. right? And it, it's insane. It's insane how much damage you can do with very little effort, without even needing to be in that area. Well, I think... And it's also terrifying. Yeah, and... Terrifying. But again, you can have one person cripple. Like, again... I'm not going to get into like political conspiracy theories, but right. you look at like COVID. Yeah, exactly. Now, whether COVID was natural or man-made or released from a lab or not released, whatever the side yeah. you believe on. Exactly. At the end of the day, something, meaning an event, mm -hmm. meaning some outbreak, caused exactly. a complete worldwide shutdown for right. at least, I would say, three to four months. And you could really say that we're still having some ripple effects oh of course yeah. and even if it's not ripple effects from a health perspective which there's still some of that yeah there's still a rick from a social and also like think about business how many things in your business are different now because of necessity during covid and people were like you know what let's just keep it that way it actually is better yeah but exactly it, but it took a pandemic to force us into that like right perfect example for us agents don't have to go to show uh closings like right. we used to have to go to closings yeah Closings, honestly, we, uh, me as an, again, I'm putting my real estate hat on. Me sitting at a closing made zero to very, 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 very marginal difference. Yeah. It meant nothing. Instead, Fair. I was like, this is a minimum of an hour and a half of my time wasted. Mm -hmm. Minimum. And I have no, I, I have no impact on the final result. Exactly. And honestly, I'm a crutch for whatever might come up where if I'm not there, people will figure it out. Exactly. We got rid of it. I haven't been to a closing in three years, and I'll be honest, I will never go back to a closing. It makes sense. Right? But it's a better change. Now, granted, obviously, Agreed. I was like, wish the pandemic didn't happen to force that, but it forced it, and it's a benefit that we'll take from it. Correct. Yeah, so it has its downs. It also did have its ups. Like, look at how many businesses were against remote working, mm -hmm. right? And then they found out, like, all right, like, for me, where I'm at now, for me to get up and go to the office Saturday morning, go to my office and work here in Plattsburgh from Moore's, I gotta get up, I gotta shower, I gotta have breakfast, right? I gotta get dressed. Mm -hmm. I gotta get in my car, I drive a half an hour, go in there, hope to God I don't mess up the alarm code so I don't get arrested. Get in there, sit down. I've now lost an hour and 15 minutes of productivity. Probably that I could have gotten up in my apartment, logged on, and done my work. Smelling right, no shower. Having my coffee yep. and my jammies, right? Yep. Like doing the work. Yep. But also, because we were working, like I was working fully remote during the the whole shutdown and everything, and it was like it was cool. Like it was. And you're awesome. still getting your work done. I'm getting my work yeah. done. Like it was nice because I was getting my work done in a relaxed environment. I wasn't distracted by people coming in. I wasn't distracted by that random, you know, the randomness of water the cooler day. talk or something. Exactly, whatever it might yep. be happening, right? Yep. Like I'm gonna have a sandwich, right? Yep. I'm make my sandwich. I'm gonna sit back down and work. It's 8 o'clock at night. I get an email. Like, we're just chilling. Like, I'll log on, do what I got to do for 15 minutes. Done. Mm -hmm. Sunday morning, I'm up before everybody else. Like, 
turn it on, check my emails, right? Like it was amazing. And I, that's, that's what I do now. And I love it. Like our, we're shifting obviously more back to the office than remote, but mm-hmm. we still have the opportunity to do both, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. It makes my life easier because there's some things I have to do remote. Like uh, Thursday and Friday, like this week, for instance, I'm working remote because I have to assist instruct for my unit that I'm with now for two courses. So it's nice to be able to say, hey, like I'm going to work. I got to be in like full uniform because I got to be on teams, right, mm-hmm. when I'm instructing. But at the same time, like I can do all of my work except for that like 20 minute span that they need me to just chime in. But I can't do that if I'm in my office. Mm-hmm. Like I can't show up to my office in my military uniform and be like, I'm just going to be here to work, right? So, yes, it, it, I agree that it definitely had its upsides. Um, I think it opened up a lot of eyes. Yeah. And it's almost like you, you wish that people didn't, not people, <laughs> but like companies and stuff didn't slide back into maybe potential bad habits from pre-pandemic. Yeah. One of the things that I've been focusing on very, I mean, like almost all-encompassing, like is looking through, this is almost two years now. Mm-hmm. It was October of 2021. Um, was looking at every single thing we do, myself, the business, positions, areas, and think, like, let's improve, let's fix systems, let's be more effective, be more efficient, let's do things correctly. Right. And one of the things that I've kind of used as like um, a principle of everything I've been doing mm-hmm. is if if we look at something... And we say, why are we doing X? Or why does someone do Y? And the answer is, because it's always been done that way. That is a red flag to go fix that thing. Yep. And that's something I've looked at where it's like, what's the, why do we keep doing it that way? And like, well, I don't know. It's just the way it's always been done. It's the way everybody does it. So what? Okay, bad answer. Like that's not, then <laughs> obviously we know this is very inefficient, very ineffective. Exactly. And, let's look, and it has been looked at and God knows how And long. probably has been audited correctly. So it's like, okay, let's audit that. Let's figure it out. Is there a better way to do it? A smarter way to do it? Mm-hmm. If it's internal, easy. I make the change. I don't ask anybody to make the change. I make the change. I tell the people that it might affect to say, here's the new change. Like right. it's going to be semi-uncomfortable because it's changed, but you'll figure it out. The hard part sure. is trying to figure stuff out that, uh, the industry does that. I'm like, this is stupid. Why do we do it this way? Like, meaning not like our company, nope, but our company you. is yep. just as, um, uh, what's the word? Just as uh, incorrect or or to blame as the rest of the industry. But we all do it. Why are we doing it? Like, oh, just right. the way we do it. And it's like then trying to retrain our company and other companies and other and third parties and stuff. Like, let's right. do it this way because it just makes more sense. Yeah. That's obviously a harder sell because I have less control over that. But it's also in my head of like, let's move to being efficient. And again, this is not a new concept. It's just something that over the last couple of years I've really dove into. And a lot of it probably stemmed from COVID. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it stemmed from just different seasons of my life where I'm like, right. you know what? Like, I don't know. Let's just start auditing and thinking better. Like, think better. Like, let's just yeah. think different and think better and think like, why are we doing something? Like, let's question stuff and let's try to not just like fall into a trap that really is just not the best thing to do. It might have been at the time. Yeah. But we're going to grow. Like, everybody's where you should be growing. Like right. You're not, arguably, if you're not growing, you're dying. Like, you're going up or down. And yeah. part of me is like, if I'm just feeling very, like, static and coasting, 
I don't like that. And I think I, th- right. I feel like you're the same way. I'm like, oh, if I'm yeah. not being challenged, okay. and I'm not growing, then I want to do something different. I hate stagnancy. Yeah. And I hate repetition. And like my business, I've been in for a long time. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm bored. I'm really bored. I'm like, I, right. there's things in my industry, my business, in my life that I'm like, you know what? I've hit the peak. I've hit the ceiling. I've tapped out. Okay, let's break the ceiling. Let's go to the next level. So that's exactly it, right? Yeah. So when you look at it, like everybody always references the industry standard, the standard, mm-hmm. the standard, standard. Yeah. The standard is a C. <laughs> like yeah. it's the bare minimum. It's the benchmark. Like we should always be looking to go above and beyond, break, push the standard. You go to exceeds, you know, whatever it may be. But just because you're meeting the standard, that's not that's not where you want to be. That's like one bad move and you're drowning. <laughs> One of my f- favorite um, follows, authors, business people, whatever. Um, you know Tim Ferriss at all? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, Tim Ferriss, he's great. So he did 4-Hour Workweek, 4-Hour Body, 4-Hour okay, Chef. Like, okay. like, like really fascinating guy. I'm terrible with names, by the way. No, if I it's all told good. You before, so bro. the thing with him, he's one of those guys that just thinks a little bit different. And yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah. So I resonate with him. And... I'm going to try to give you three quotes. If I can remember them, I will be very impressed. One of them was uh, basically paraphrasing him, but most of the rules in society are mm-hmm. overall socially accepted norms. Just like, eh, we just do it that way. Exactly. Because they're not rules. Okay. They're just socially accepted norms. Like people right. do it. He also said that reality is largely negotiable, meaning that most things that we do in life is just you and I have just been like, yeah, I don't know. That's just the way that things are. And it's like, well... Why? And I actually had this thought, like, okay, like recess lighting. I'm just saying because we have an office. Like recess yeah. lighting. Recess lighting. I was actually, I had to sit through a presentation today and I was like ready to like <laughs> fall asleep. But I was like, okay, I'm going to look up at the ceiling. I'm like, recess lighting. Never really thought about it before. Is that the best? In my head, this is like my mind. I'm like, is there a better way to redo recess lighting? And if you could, then you'd probably make a lot of money because right. a lot of people use recess lighting. But I'm like, is there a better way to do it? I'm like, I think, and I didn't really do this study long, but I'm like, if I really just sat and stared at a light and thought about it, there's a yeah. chance I could potentially improve the light. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, could I potentially improve these acoustic soundboards? Could I potentially improve, um, and not like, I don't know all the tech, in the, but like something simple, like could I right. improve like the way a wallet is made where there's no technology, but is there a better way to make a wallet? Right. Um, well, that's always the assumption is that something is simple, right? But then when you really get down into it, like, all right. But it's the idea that most, and again, I've come back to this, and there's a great quote I loved, and I forgot who said it, but they said, I would have wrote a shorter letter, but I didn't have time. <laughs> and the idea behind it, it is much easier to add than it is to simplify. The same thing in life. Think about oh, yeah. decluttering a house. Think about oh, going through your clothes and throwing stuff out. Thinking yeah. about, hey, okay, Amel, I'm going to tell you to minimize everything you own down to 10%. percent you would be like, uh, okay. But then you start like, and I thought about it, perfect example. If you went right now through all of your social media, uh, let's say Instagram, you're yeah. on Instagram, unfollow every single person you follow. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect, down to zero. Yep. I, th- I haven't done this. So I, again, this is kind of like a self-experiment that I should do that I haven't done yet. If you go down to zero and then you said, okay, start following anybody that's important to you that can come off the top of your head. If you follow, say, let's say 300 people. Right. Chances are you would probably get to a very small percentage of 300. Oh, 100 percent. It'd be like, yeah. okay, like who's like close family, who's close friends, who's close people I want to follow pages or whatever. And then you'd be like, I got to 50. Like honestly, I don't even know the other 250 I followed. Yeah, exactly. It's not that important. Yeah. But we follow, we follow, we add, and we add, and we add, and we add. And then we say, okay, I'll mail subtract. And you're like, 
ah, I kind of know that person. I kind of follow that. I may not really follow them every day, but like right. the off chance they have something cool, I want to follow it. But if you were to completely just eliminate everybody, go down to zero, mm-hmm. and then start to go through off the top of your head, like who's important to you? Be like, okay, right. me, be like wife, best friend. Is there any coworkers? Is there any like mentor people I want to follow? That list would probably be really small. And then so be like, ah, oh, I totally forgot about that person because it really wasn't top of mind. Not that the person's not cool enough that yeah. they're not friends with you, not because of you don't care about them. Just like realistically, you only have so much attention in a day, like, like simplify yeah. it. So, um, and then the last quote I'll say, because I'm going to wrap up because I know we're getting late here. The last last quote that from Tim Ferriss was, and this was on a thing that I read with him and I loved it. And I think it was like in one of his books. Um, but it's a quote he attributed to Mark Twain. And it said, if you ever find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Mm-hmm. Meaning like if you're doing everything everybody else is doing, if you're doing whatever the status quo is, pause, reflect and think why. And I've tried to go back to stuff like that and really think, are we doing things effectively? Right. I've tried to, I'm, I'm like in the process of revamping some stuff in my business and I'm like, okay, nobody does that. Is there a reason why? And I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, I, I don't find a reason why it's not a good idea. It's just nobody's done it. But I'm like, right. why hasn't anybody done it? I'm like going through, I'm like, I just feel nobody's done it because they haven't either A, done it or two, because it's not the social norm. Yeah. So I mean, it's bad. So I'm like, why don't I just True. do it? It might be weird. People look at me weird for the first well, maybe year or month that I do it. Yeah, but Maybe. But it's like you said earlier too. People are scared of change, man. People don't want to try something new. Nobody wants to be the first person in the water. Correct. Right? Everybody else will jump in. I read this thing too that the idea between, like if you went to a party or an event or a social function, per- perfect example, take a networking event. Say you go to the business after hours. Okay. And you're at the business after hours and mm-hmm. you're just, you go to the event. And you might know people, whatever. Right. You are going to think more about how people are looking or judging or thinking about you than people ever will. Yeah. I Meaning if I see you at an event and I'm like, oh, I'm Mel. I want to go talk to him. I go talk to him, whatever. Yeah. Then I say we break up, we go talk to someone different. Exactly. The chances that I'm thinking about like, oh my God, I'm Mel's shoes. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm Mel just like That's made that it. face. I can't right. believe he got that drink. <laughs> I can't believe, oh my God, he's talking to those people. That never crosses my mind. Where exactly. you, and this, I'm not saying just picking on you. This no, is me, I got, this I got is everybody. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else is thinking the same thing, but you might be like, oh my God, I can't be seen with this person. I can't believe I just ordered this drink. I can't believe, oh my God, my pants feel a little tight. I can't believe, right. like, whatever. Yeah. Nobody's thinking about that. Yeah, nobody cares. You are thinking about that Damn. in your head. I'm just as guilty of this. I'm thinking that, and yeah. I forgot what it was called. But people put more emphasis on other people thinking about them than people actually are thinking about them. So the idea behind yeah. it is, don't think about what. I guarantee you, if you saw me at an event, you were not thinking about everything. You're not thinking about the things I'm thinking about as much as I think you're thinking about things I'm thinking about. That's exactly it. Like, like it, you're just like, hey, Galen, what's up, man? Let's yeah. like. And tomorrow I'm like, yeah, I ran into Galen. Like it was awesome. We That's it. Up. That's it. It was cool. And I'd be like, oh my God, I didn't see like the, I was like picking up my teeth. I didn't see that I was like, you know, sick yeah. or my shoes look bad or I had like a weird color combo in my outfit or. Right. It doesn't happen, but we as humans are more self-absorbed and think that. It's well, just we're kind of trained for that too, right? Correct. And it's, it's weird because then you think about it like, duh, like, I, yeah, I didn't, like, yeah. if you would have came up and like, hey, Kalen, I know I saw you yesterday. What shirt was it wearing? I'd be like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but like, it bothers you all night. But if you were to actually quiz me, be like, I don't know what shirt you're wearing. Sure. What did we talk about? Oh, we talked about the soccer game. Right. Because I like, I equate that with you and like, I don't care about the other stuff, but like, yeah, that exactly. was all I remember. Exactly. And then it's yeah. like, oh, how long we talked for? I'm like, I don't know, 10 minutes? I'm like, oh, we talked for 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, like cool. it was just like, the connection. Like, and score? Like, Correct. No, no, I, I hear you. That, that makes sense. Um, and it goes back. I, j- I just want to say this before I forget again. Um, like you were saying, like, when you're, 
like rereading books, right? Mm -hmm. Going back through something that you read. When you read it later on, like you're in a much different mental perspective. Yes. Right? And it, you pick up so much other things. Like, And you look at it in a different way. This comes from a philosopher. I'm going to quote it again, paraphrasing. Um, you never step in the same river twice. That's it. And that's and the idea behind that, people don't understand that, is meaning like at no point will you ever step in the same river because the river, the water is different. It's flowing different. Exactly. You're different, whatever. So basically, and, and I've, I've thought about this before. Right now, like, okay, pause. That last second that just happened will never happen again in human history exactly. because there's way too much variable. Meaning like you and I were in a certain position. Someone in Japan, someone mm -hmm. in South Africa, someone in Norway was in a different... Like, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but like someone crossed the road at that time. No, someone like wrong. Yeah. sneezed at that time. Yeah. So when you think about it, like every second is unique. I know it's like a weird like thought process. Sorry, folks, if you're um, listening to this, I'm just like, <laughs> I feel like you like understand this stuff. So I like talking to you about it, but it's yeah, like, no, this is a very interesting concept. But it's like the idea behind like every second of every part of human history is completely different. It'll never be replicated. It's always random. Think about how many, okay, how many waves in the ocean just crashed in the last second? That, that, those water molecules will never be in the same position. Right. I know it sounds weird. I read a kid book. My kids have this book. It's awesome. It talks about all the rain. The idea that rain drops basically mm -hmm. are the same rain just recycled all over but they could be glaciers they could be down the soil they could be up in the clouds they could be in the ocean they could be True. all these different places raindrop and you got to think human history has been around for 13 billion years that raindrop has been circulating for 13 billion years and it could be in many different forms but it's the same raindrop the rain like the water molecules that are on our desk from the drinks those water molecules at some point could be a cloud over Asia that fall and then they fall in the Indian Ocean and then they're in the Indian Ocean for, right. you know, 2,000 years and then they fall into Antarctica and now we're a glacier for 5,000 years. I don't know. That's how it works. Like that's... Right. So it's the, it's the whole concept behind energy, right? Yeah. Right? Like matter cannot be Kinetic, created static, or destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's all just cyclical. It's all, all the same. All the time. It's all the same. And then I've also read, and again, I don't know how true this is because from my memory, this is my only life I've ever lived, but the idea behind the idea of like once you die, you decompose, energy goes back into energy. Energy forces energy. Right. Once you decompose at some point, you know, however many years that is from now, your body will then give off energy. Yeah, energy will go into the soil. That soil will come out and sprout into something different. Every energy of Amel could turn into a plant, a tree, another animal, whatever. But then exactly. it's kind of the idea of reincarnation. That, and I don't know if this is true or not, but then you think about the idea, and I watched this video about infinity, and I don't, this is a weird, again, a very weird concept. Sorry, mm -hmm. folks, if you guys are still with us right now, kudos <laughs> to you. The idea behind, they had this example, <laughs> they took an apple, they sealed an apple in a box. Mm -hmm. The box, I think this was on Netflix, like the story of infinity or something about infinity. I'm gonna find the it. idea behind it was this apple was in a box. The energy of the apple, nothing else happened. It was literally in a box. Mm -hmm. Over time, the apple decomposed. Over okay. time, that apple broke down. Over time, the heat in that box was like X times greater than the sun. I know it sounds weird, but this was true. Okay. What happened was, again, still in this box. I don't know how long this timeline was, but it was this is the this is like the stages. Yeah. It was so much hot, hotter than the sun, blah blah blah. Eventually that that apple broke down. Right. And then eventually what happened is that apple actually built back up into itself. 
No kidding. This was, and I, I, and so again, re- this is not me. This is like physicists huh. talking. The idea behind it was the energy of the apple. You took oxygen away and you sealed it into this. This so it's yeah, just so the vacuum sealed apple. Controlled it is its own molecules. Nothing, in, nothing out. Eventually, okay. it will get to the point where those modic- molecules break down. Whatever happens in the molecule thing again. If someone was in, I was, I sucked at physics. If someone was in physics, you would understand this or chemistry. The idea behind it is that apple would break down into such a, a massive amount of heat because of yep. the energy. Because energy is, I mean, energy is like like doing its thing. Right. Energy is massive amount of heat. Eventually, that energy would cool down, and those molecules would reform the apple. That's such an which, interesting. Which is concept. the idea behind the growth of things. So if we yeah. ever broke down, and I don't know how this works. Like hypothetically, if we break down, and people thought, like, can you be reborn? Are you reborn on the same planet? If you again, I know this is a very deep level thinking. No, no, no. But this, if you get broken down, but if you broke down, yeah. and let's say how long before an Amel reappeared? Right. I don't know. Like because, the exact like, same. If I said like, do you have any memory before you're born? Like, no. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Is your molecules billions of molecules from billions of other molecules throughout history? Could have been an alligator. Could have been water. Could have been a an uh, you know a mangrove tree. Could have been someone that lived in in not Antarctica. Uh, it New Zealand. Antarctica. Could have been Antarctica. New Zealand. Could have been Ar- Arcadia when everything was in, or not Arcadia. What's, what's the um, the original Pangea. continent? Pangaea. Thank you. I got you. Could have been. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> could have been like someone back in like again. I, I mentioned before my sisters in Eastern Africa. That is where basically human civilization started. Like yeah. before everything kind of split. So right. human human civilization. Could we have some DNA in our cells from three hundred thousand years ago? People in Eastern Africa, absolutely, because that's where we came from. But if you look at that, and everything broke down and came back, like at what point do we get recycled back out? Is it right hundred years? Is it thirteen billion years? Like the age of the of the technically the universe or the Earth. Um, so you start thinking about concepts like that that are very beyond anything we can comprehend. And then you're like, oh, okay, that could be the case. Right. But you look at that too. And you, so you got to consider like when you're looking at reincarnation, is it a physical reincarnation solely? Is it just, you know, that comes down, that yeah. now goes to what's your belief on the human soul? Is there mm-hmm. a soul? Is there not a soul? Is it consciousness? Yeah. I, How does that work? Right. But also, like it, the way that you were explaining the infinity, it sounds like they're they're pushing that the vacuum sealed apple right goes through nuclear fusion, right? Yes. So it's heating up and heating up and heating right. up and then cooling back down. But I, it's such an interesting concept because I'm like, how does it? How does that happen? But it doesn't like go supernova like the sun would, right? Mm-hmm. Or like any star, right? It gets so big that it just blows up. Right, so how I'm very interested in that, but so last thing I'm going to say because we got to get out of here. All right, yeah, no, I and know. and sorry again, folks, we, if you've we, been we, here. God bless you all, yeah. because this is taking that. This is fun though. I've had a blast, man. Yeah, no, we could take this on a whole nother. Uh, so what I, what I want you to to look at is, um, and again, I've mentioned this before. I just want to see if I the future. Uh, I think it's this. I might be wrong. I'm praying this is the right one because this is definitely worth Yes, I got it. Uh, the time lapse of the future. Okay. So remember this. Time lapse of the future. It is 29 minutes and 20 seconds long. I have a picture of it right now. Yes. If I don't think and I want you to do this before we leave. This last thing I'm going to ask is your homework. Time <laughs> lapse right, of the, the future. What I want you to do tonight. That doesn't be tonight. You know, just in general. Oh, no. I'll watch it tonight. Okay. It's 29 minutes. All right. 
It is, and if anybody's wondering, it's called Time Lapse of the Future. The person that posted this on YouTube is called Melody Sheep. It's been seen by 93, has, well, 93 million views. Whew. So, A Journey to the End of Time. I'm going to, I won't say too much about it. I, the only thing I'm going to tell you is that, I'll tell you two things. At the bottom, there's a ticker, like a timeline ticker. Mm-hmm. Every I believe it's two seconds or every second. Maybe it's every second. I think it's every second. The time doubles. Okay. So like one second, next second is two seconds, next second is four seconds. Exponential, yeah, yeah. For 29, 20, one. So you can see that when it gets to the point where it's a lot of seconds, every second is compoundly more big. Right. So that's that's the first thing. And then I will say... Watch the first two to three minutes. Mm-hmm. Pause. So do this tonight. Watch two to three minutes and you just pause. And it'd be like, holy crap. Yeah. Holy crap. What's already happened within the universe? Two to three minutes. Then pause and say, I have 27 more minutes of this. And every second is getting compoundly bigger. From where you already are. From where you already are. That's wild. Watch the first minute and a half. So first one is, to two, three minutes. Just pause and be like, we're one minute into 29 minutes of this, yeah. and it's only going to move faster. Okay. So on what scale is this? Are we talking about galaxy? Are we talking about observable universe? Like are we talking about Milky Way galaxy and what's going on? Are we oh, talking no, about no, solar no, system? Or are we talking about observable universe? Observable universe that we know of to date. Okay. I like this. This is right up my alley. This because I know you wrote space. Down. I did. We yeah, need to dive like, into it. I know. There's we so would have watched 29 <laughs> minutes of this and just sat and watched it. But this is all I'm going to leave you with is that right. if you can watch this, text me. Let me know how you thought because I'll I tell s- you on Thursday what I thought. I swear to God, this is something you're going to watch and you're going to be like, "What did I just watch?" Yeah, I've watched it like three, four times. Awesome. <laughs> I watched it multiple times. Every time I yeah. watch it, I'm like. I mean, I know it's true, but I don't like it. This is wild. But you got to think. It's hard to wrap your mind around it. So, again, I'm gonna, the last thing I'm going to say is because we've been around for what? The uh, universe has been 13 billion years of knowledge, black or big bang or whatever. Give or take. Yeah, yeah. Give or take. Um, the earth is so 13 billion years old, whatever. Mm-hmm. Human civilization is 300,000 years old. A little blip. Blip. So, I actually follow this other thing. If you follow on Instagram, wait, but why? I don't it's called Wait But Why. This guy will blow your mind. Right. Tim Urban. He's great. I follow him. I read his book. He, his book was okay. I didn't. I, I. It was fine. The book was good. Yeah. But uh, Wait But Why is the name. It's got like a picture of like a king on a card or something like a like a playing card. And the whole premise behind it. Oh, I got it right here. Yes, Wait But Why by Tim Urban. Um, fascinating. And he'll say some stuff, and you'd be like, "What?" Because he puts it in perspective. Okay. Like he has one thing. He's like, basically, if I put. Um, if I had a thousand-page book, mm-hmm. where each page of the book was two hundred and fifty years of human history, okay? okay, he breaks it down. He said, like, you go all the way down to like nine hundred and like fifty-six. He goes, this is the recorded history of humans. Yeah, but like every is two hundred fifty pages of human, and he goes, and this is what happened in the last page, which was like everything, everything. you could think about from like seventeen fifty. <laughs> Yeah, like exactly. everything, printing press, steam engines, right. everything. And right. he goes, what's going to happen in page 1001? 
which is just like mind blowing how much we've evolved in the thousand pages because right. it goes through everything like like vaccines, transportation, internet, communication, right. light, everything you can think of that we have that we oh, kind of yeah. take for granted. What's one thousand and one on that page going to look like? Which is the next two hundred and fifty yeah. years. So that's. So again, we could have gone down that rabbit hole too. We could have gone conspiracy theories and ancient civilizations and where you're Wild. at with that. Right? Wild. So it's like, all right. The idea that there Next was a time. human situ- <laughs> there was, uh, the idea that there was a human civilization that got basically blown off the face of the earth and then oh, we had like rebuilt. Multiple. Yeah. yeah. I would oh. And we and we have known like okay, thirteen billion years. What happened four billion years ago? Right. On our planet. Could all of our like continents we have seven continents could we have had 20 different continents or so much smaller obviously the same global sphere, well, exactly right but they're all like over the place you yeah know? so we'll get everything carbon dating and based on what's in the half lights and all the like random stuff the, yeah what the hell they're called the, the deposits right the mineral deposits yeah. right and we're looking at that and that's what we're basing everything out of who knows yeah who knows? It's, it's wild so then i also think so the last thing i'll say folks before we end <laughs> this thing is that if you were having any bad day on if you're having a bad day today, you're yeah. listening to this. Besides the fact that Amel's a great guy, and we had a great conversation. Oh, thank you. But this if you're a having pleasure. a bad day, just think again. Tim Irvin says this: you are literally in a like a uh, a spark of light and a spark of light and a spark of light and a spark of light infinity. That's it. In human history, it not human history, universal history. And there could be an unlimited amount of you. <laughs> or if we go multi, or, or I'm not going to give away Tam lives to the future. But there's potential that the world goes dark very soon and you're in the bright light after the Big Bang. Ooh. That's what he says. That you are All literally right. on the like the uh, aftershock of the Big Bang still 13 billion years away. Well, we are still expanding, right? As far Time as left to the future, folks. Watch it. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, we're going to wrap up there. This has been fun. Probably been way beyond our, our curfew. Way beyond our curfew. <laughs> but you know what? We had fun. That we did. Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You know what? Not too many people yelling at me, so we're good on the phone. So, oh, excellent. This is good. Um, Abel, great to have you on. Um, we'll probably do this again because we just like scratched the surface. Oh, of we got so, so This is good. Go. This is good. Um, yes, sir. That's fine. All right. We're going to end there. Episode 238, Galen Trombley Show. Mel Varga, we're out. Thank you for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.